is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It's going to be a real fun one today. A few of my favorite dudes popping on the show as Michael Remus continues his uh his travels, uh, Rima will be back on Friday, and uh, I- I'll say this to you right now. Well, I'll tease this to you in just a moment, that we will have um, potentially an Alex sighting coming up a little later on. So um, anyways, we're, uh, we're all getting good. Oh, you know, hold on a second, folks. I realize what the heck's going on, why that's coming in my headset, because I was uh, at the YouTube channel on as well. Sorry about that, folks. Big show today. Rennie and the rabbi, two of my favorites coming on today. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I said yesterday we were wondering where Reynolds was. We saw him on the side of a milk carton when talking to Ken. Rennie will be on the program a little bit later on. And as I mentioned, uh, I think it's going to go down. Alex, the unveiling of Alex later on. So I'll put this challenge to you folks. Uh, for those of you that are with us on YouTube, as everyone joins us, and I'll plug this a little later on as people join the show, hit the uh, thumbs up button. We're going to get to 200 likes, and at the end of the program, Alex is going to come on and uh, shoot it with us a little bit about uh, what he's up to and his experience hanging out with us and uh, all of you in the YouTube chat. Of course, if you haven't already, or if you're watching this on the replay, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us every day live at 1 p.m. with the latest on the sports world, focusing on Winnipeg sports, bombers, jets, and much more. And uh, with the uh, fun and laughs that you've come to know on the program each and every day. Uh, a little later on as well, I'm going to talk to a, a young Winnipegger, recent U of M grad, that has written a book about fantasy football, but it's very different. This is not something that's going to get you to, well, hopefully it'll help you to win your league, um, but more about everything that comes along with fantasy sports in and around. So um, that's coming up. Rennie will get his thoughts on the Jets offseason, the upcoming Labor Day weekend and more. Uh, but right now, without further ado, before we bring in uh, the uh, the Libster, um, do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And by the way, speaking of sponsors, our great friends at Princess Auto are hosting Winnipeg Sports Talk tomorrow. I'll be heading down there and doing the show live from the head office with a couple of very special guests joining me from there. Uh, really looking forward to that. And you curling fans want to make sure that you're uh, joining me tomorrow for the program as well. Uh, Jeff Hamilton as well tomorrow, setting us up for the Labor Day Classic. Brandon Rewicki. And then on Friday's show, more on the LDC. John Hodges, you're going to jump by and see what our pal Rod Peterson is doing. It's not Labor Day week without talking to uh, to Hot Rod. But of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours. Cool Bet Canada as well. Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Culligan Water, Aikens Lake, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, and Vita Health Fresh Market. So let's get to it. Welcome to everyone with us live on YouTube. Shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and Rennie a little bit later on, but let's bring in the rabbi himself, my good friend, former voice of the morning and the big show on our dearly departed station. It is the sports rabbi himself, Matthew Libel. What is up, Libes? It's great to have you on the show. Us. Thank you for having me. It is great to see you. Great to be here. I'm here with Moses the cat. 
who is, um, well, he's, he's not a huge sports fan, but he's a bigger sports fan, I think, than my wife. So he wanted to see what this was all about, and we're thrilled to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, you've got Reynolds coming on. Um, maybe one day I can tell you the story about the wedding that Sean Reynolds and I sat next to each other throughout dinner and some of those fun conversations, but uh, maybe that's for another time. I I was just about to ask. I thought maybe you performed the wedding for Sean Reynolds. I do believe he is married. And, uh, and that's, that's you know, uh, people are always asking, what the heck's Matt up to? Uh, give us a quick update on you because um, obviously you've got tons and tons of fans. They don't hear you every day when we grab a little bit of your time to come on. I mean, uh, how's life? Uh, how's the fam? It, it has been growing since uh, we last spoke. Yes, thank you. Everything is great. No, in that particular case, Reynolds was a guest. I did do that wedding but he was a relative and we sat and I think that I had just recently left TSN. So we had a lot of chatting and it's all the stuff that you may typically remember uh, or, or guess. Sean was saying I was his favorite broadcaster of all time. I inspired him to be better at his job. I, I helped him grow in ways he never thought possible. All that typical kind of stuff. No, um, I am full-time dad, part-time freelance rabbi. What this means is that I make lunches, I drive carpool to daycare, I pick up from daycare, I, I fill the whole day of activity with my younger son, Felix, who's one and a half, Hugo's the older one, he's three and a half, he goes to the daycare, and he gets the lunches and, and all that kind of stuff, and I make dinner, and I do laundry, and I take care of the house, all that kind of stuff, and then often in the evenings, I'll meet with people, I have officiated a number of weddings this year, very busy year with COVID, I think delaying a few people. So meeting with couples in the evenings, performing their ceremonies on the weekends. And uh, every once in a while, I still get called from within the Jewish community to do funerals and sometimes other little events, sometimes welcoming new babies, uh, the sort of things that rabbis kind of do what we call life cycle events. So I'm a rabbi for hire when it comes to those sorts of things. People reach out to me when they want somebody or they're not affiliated with a synagogue or whatever they know me and i get to do that and that was always my favorite part of the rabbi world anyway especially the weddings and this has been a great year for that i've had to turn down more weddings than i usually get in a summer just because of so many people delaying because of COVID. so it's been a really fun fun year and a hot year a hot year for outside uh, once the weather finally turns so that's what i've been up to and it's been great well, speaking of hot weather, I mean, I know you're heading to the ballpark tonight. Many people will. A great time to go see the gold eyes. And uh, it's going to be a heater tonight. I think we're supposed to get to a high of 32 today and 34 tomorrow, though the fish are off tomorrow before a final four-game series to finish up the uh, finish up the schedule. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I just have to say, before we kind of jump into the bombers and whatnot, um, you know, you have, uh, we're always such a unique dude, and, and we were talking off air about what we loved about the about the show, and obviously you've got, you know, things progress in life, you've got a family, and you're doing other things, but I have to ask you, do you, you probably don't miss getting up at 3.30 in the morning, but, um, but do you miss the every day of, um, you know, kicking it with the boys in the morning, and uh, talking about things like the Bombers, which you can imagine, I mean, it doesn't get much more fun talking about a team right now with Winnipeg sports fans and what this team has done, not just this season, but since 2019, really since pre-pandemic. Yeah, I never really got to experience the joy of talking about the Bombers on the air because from 2010 to 2016, they had the Swaggerville Grey Cup run in 2011. We were very early on in the history of that station. And that was that a was little a great, bit of fun. Great season. 
that was a great, at least the first half was great. And then of course we got the great governor. No, I mean, I, I was lucky on the big show. We had three lineups that I was a part of. One was Jay Richardson, Troy Westwood and myself, then Paul Edmonds, Troy Westwood and myself, and then Troy Westwood, Brandon Rewicki, who I know is coming on with you later in the week and myself and all three of those groups. Yeah. The one thing that made getting up at three 30 and getting to work at four in the morning tolerable was the fact that it was the most fun atmosphere to work in, to plan a show in between breaks. I mean, the time just flew and it was really, it, it was really a dream job. Like so many people mm-hmm. recognize and would say to me. And, and, and I still think about that. There is like any job, the grind of having to come up with topics every day, particularly in the summer, trying to talk about the jets when <laughs> that's a little bit forced, but uh, I do miss, I do miss the people. And I do miss the people who would call in and I do miss some of the guests that we would connect with on a regular basis and the opportunity to talk about sports when it's those big moments. I remember in the years since I've left the, you know, watching the gray cup or watching the super bowl or when the jets had their run in 2018, a lot of times people, Oh, I would love, even if I had just like an hour or half an hour tomorrow morning to be able to kind of spew out all the thoughts, that I've got on this, like I used to be able to do, but that was just, that was that time in my life. And, uh, I, even though I have two small kids, I get more sleep now. So I think I'm more thankful for that. I don't have to crush three hour naps in the middle of the afternoon. I can let my littlest kid Felix be the one doing that. Take advantage of that. Well, as I said, you were, um, Always a delight to work with, and it's so much fun having you on the program as well. Um, you know, hopefully we can do this a little more regularly as the kids get older and the the duties are a little bit more consistent. But in the meantime, uh, I mentioned the Bombers. It is Labor Day Classic Week. The Bombers back in practice today, and some great news coming out of practice today. We've been waiting a little while to see what was going to be happening with the Bomber injury situation. First of all, there was concern about Brady Oliveira, who's really kind of seemed to hit his stride over the last few games. And, man, he had, what, 60 yards on eight carries before departing last week's game. Sounds like he's going to be okay. Jeff Hamilton reporting from practice that, uh, from what he's hearing, he's doing just fine after exiting the game. He'll be at practice today. He is at practice today. It's all good. No sign of Demario Houston, who, of course, went down early in that game on that first Calgary touchdown. So we'll find out in the next couple of days what that means for the Bombers' look going into uh, into Saskatchewan on Sunday. But the big news, Matt, we know how important this guy is on and off the field throughout the offseason, even here being part, is Brandon Alexander coming back, a real leader in the background and sort of the brains of the operation in the defensive secondary. Um, you know, this team's dealt with a number of injuries. Greg Ellingson's still on the sixth game. But they've been waiting for Brandon Alexander to come back. And the guys that have been filled in have done a very, very good job. We'll see how close he is to potentially being able to play. I'm not sure whether this automatically means he's in on Sunday. But great news for a team that's 10-1, and the class of the Canadian Football League, and uh, looking to lock down a playoff spot this weekend, if you can believe it, this early into the season, and look to booking that West Final and another trip to the Grey Cup and trying to make it three in a row. Yeah, the, the great news for defensive players returning is that I think, I used to always say that with the CFL spanning the summer and then into the fall and early winter in Canada, the football changes so dramatically. I mean, football is never an easy game to play for the guys who are out there, but certainly it's way easier in July 
August and into September than it is in late October and November. But the games in November are the games that are going to determine whether you win a championship or not. And when the weather turns and you've got it and it's cold and it's slick and you can't throw the ball the same way, you have to rely on your ground game quite often, but you have to rely on your defense. The Bombers are going to score points. With Caleros and company, you mentioned Oliveira. He's been a phenomenal replacement. People are saying, Andrew Harris, who? We, we don't even remember him at all. Um, the Bombers are going to score points. I don't think that is going to be a problem. But the opportunity to win another championship, I think, is going to come down to their defense. And some of the places where they've looked shaky even in this season is when, like I remember the Toronto game, where they've allowed teams late in the game to kind of march down the field on them. That's not going to cut it. Montreal game, where they lost. That's not going to cut it in the playoffs and certainly in the Grey Cup if they make it that far. So for Alexander to return, and we hope Houston back, getting healthy on D is critical as the weather starts to turn because that's going to determine the championship uh, caliber of of this roster. Look, everybody, it's funny. I'm Right now I'm in my very little spare time, which is usually mid-afternoon naps like right now. I've been working my way through the, you're going to love this, Man in the Arena, the Tom Brady, the documentary on Disney Plus. I think of you every time I watch him, the greatest of all Scam time. I know your personal piece. hero, your, your hero and the one who inspires you the way I inspired Sean Reynolds. Um, you're triggering me. And, you're triggering me. And, and he's ta- he talks all about how every year the Patriots were getting everybody's best and everyone was coming from I just bring this up now in all seriousness because – the Bombers, who were never that team through my entire life and most of your life even. Like, I'm a, I'm a kid from the 80s, grew up in the 90s, where the Bombers literally found every possible way to lose from the first week of the season to the Grey Cups that they managed to find themselves in. And now it's like they can't lose. Toronto marches down the field, ties it up, guy misses the extra point, they win. Even last year's Grey Cup, they won because the guy took a kneel in the end zone. Remember the rules. It's the CFL. I mean, the Bombers are now getting everybody's best, everybody's coming for them, and they're going to be able to score points. They've got the quarterback, they've got the receivers, they've got the running back, but the defense will determine whether or not this is a three-time, I guess that would be three-peat championship and, and truly a dynasty. That would be a really something special, and uh, I've been enjoying watching this year, as I know everybody has, and can't wait to see. This is now where the season, Labor Day is where the season really starts getting, it's like Thanksgiving in the NFL. Now the games really, really start to ramp up. The weather, like we said, will yeah. turn, and this gives you a sense. It's hilarious you say that because that is the old adage. The season doesn't really start until Labor Day. Well, the Bombers can clinch a playoff spot this week. And I know. We'll talk about, we'll talk about that Montreal game. I mean, you know, it's pretty tough to expect the team to be absolutely perfect throughout the entire regular season. But, I mean, to me, that is a straight-up mulligan. That was a choke job by the kicker on that play. When you think about the game, they did exactly what they do every year. It was like, oh, well, I mean, hopefully sometimes they'll blow teams out and they'll be comfortably ahead. But, I mean, that game was tight. Start of the fourth quarter, what happens? Oh, they get the ball. They go 100 yards, put it in the end zone. at an uncharacteristic turnover. Ends up being tied. They get the ball back with three, four minutes left. Move the chains. Get right down into winning position. And that's a kick you're going to make 98, 99 times or at least get a single and win the game. So, um, the way they bounced back to beat a really good Calgary team, I think, was, uh, you know, a, a huge for the Bombers. If you thought that, you know, maybe there was some chinks in the armor, uh, we saw that that wasn't the case. And now, of course, you get to this game 
against Saskatchewan. The one thing, and you'll recall this, or, 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 or going back to 2011, I believe it was the 2011 game, uh, Gary and I did a couple buses out to the game all bomber fans and that's the swaggerville year where the bombers were seven and one the riders were one and seven and let me just say that the chests were pumped out the confidence levels were high well the bombers lost that game and lost the banjo bowl as well now that team was maybe a little bit of a paper tiger i mean they had a hell of a defense that sort of dragged them to the great cup the offense wasn't there yet um but this is a dangerous game in that I think in almost every aspect, you'd give the Bombers the nod. But strange things do happen in the Labor Day Classic. And uh, the one thing about this team, though, I mean, going back to you know Mike O'Shea and how he's kind of created the culture, they seem to be better coached. They seem to be better prepared. They're certainly more disciplined than their opponents. And that's a big knock on the riders. Um, I still do expect the Bombers. And I guess this is just where we're at right now. When the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play, you expect them to win, and uh, I'm sure they'll have their best for their biggest rival on the weekend. And they expect them to win, right? The one thing we were talking about earlier, I, I was not on the air by the time the Bombers were ready to win Grey Cups, but we were on the air when the pieces started to form. Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea. The last piece, that was all the stuff that determined the culture and a culture of confidence, a culture of believing that you're going to win every time you go out there. But Caleros was really that missing piece. Buck Pierce, no disrespect to him as a guy, but as a quarterback, he was never going to do the things that you just mentioned in the rundown of one game against Montreal. Never going to leave those lead those 100-yard drives late in the game early. It just wasn't the kind of quarterback that he was. Caleros is, and I think that the defense feeds off of that. They've also got incredible gamers. And the offense feeds off of that. Everybody feeds off of that. So top-down, they are a very confident group. And by this point, why not? I mean, you've won back-to-back -back Grey Cups. You're the best record in the league yet again. You were almost working on a perfect season. Had to have kind of a bunch of things go wrong for that to get taken away from you. You're still 10-1, top in all the power rankings. I mean, it's a weird feeling for Winnipeg sports fans almost to say, we don't know what to talk about with this team really until we get to the playoffs. There's nothing really to complain about, which is a very weird feeling in this town when it comes to sports. But that's why they really need to stay sharp, to stay hungry. And so far, they've done a really good job of that. And you can tell because they win close games. If you're blowing everybody out, and you can even kind of like take your foot off the gas, the Montreal Alouettes used to have that year after year after year with Anthony That was the Bombers Remember? last and then they year, get into to the be playoffs. honest. Right, that was. And, and then they get into the playoffs, and like the Owls, and they wouldn't have that same hunger because they didn't have it. But the Bombers, I mean, they're fighting Calgary. They have to win by two points. They're fighting Montreal. They lose, but they're fighting to the very end. This team doesn't give up the fight on either side of the ball, and that will serve them very, very well as uh, September turns into October, turns into November, hopefully for them. Comment, comment in the chat. It says blue better get up for this history dictates you need to your best effort because the riders always do and again it's something about this game i mean you sort of can in a lot of cases throw out the records we won't be doing that 10 and 1 staying in the uh, staying on the scoreboard and in the standings right now but it should be a great game a big picture for the bombers though in the canadian football you I mean the biggest story all year long in addition to the you know the standard the bombers are set in week in and week out has been the turnaround in bc 
and Nathan Rourke, uh, an absolute phenom. I mean, a record-breaking pace through half of the season that he put on, and of course being injured. The hopes are that he might be able to get back for the end of the season, but considering the list Frank injury that he's had, um, I I'd say most people aren't counting on that. Pretty significant trade, though, today. You can tell the BC Lions really do believe in their squad, but need a little bit more at the quarterback position without Rourke. Getting Vernon Adams Jr. from the Montreal Alouettes for a first-round pick. I really did think that maybe with this loss of Rourke, the Calgary Stampeders were going to be the team that the Bombers may face in the West Final, assuming they get to be that team hosting the, uh, hosting the, the game to get to the Grey Cup. But... If BC can get, I think the rest of BC's team, because of how little they were spending on the quarterback position with those two young Canadians, gave them a big advantage. And, you know, if Vernon Adams can come in and be even half of what Nathan Rourke was, um, you know, they'll be a big, big challenge to Calgary right now. And I said this before, Calgary makes me nervous just because it's so damn hard to beat a team three times in a season, never mind four right now. And those games have been really close. But what do you make of the BC situation and the trade today with Vernon Adams coming to shore up that quarterback room on the West Coast? I think it's just like you said. They're eight and two, right? They only got one fewer loss than the Bombers. So say the Bombers lose one of these two games against Saskatchewan this month. They could find themselves, if BC can can keep the ship right, they, they could find themselves in the battle to host that playoff game. You'd way rather have that game at home, I think, than having to go on the road, even though the oh, elements Oh, to me, I think it's everything. Burning. I mean, you get the bye week. Oh, get yeah. The bye week, not to mention, listen, I mean, BC's a hell of a team with a lot of playmakers, but, you know, beating a team, I mean, they didn't even do it at home when they were fully healthy and undefeated earlier in the season to come in and beat a championship football team in the cold outdoors in November at IG Field yeah. is going to be a tall, tall task. And to me, this is all about the Bombers clinching first place at some point, taking advantage of the two buys on the second half of the season and, and being ready to do what they've done the last two times they've had the opportunity, and that's punch a ticket to the Grey Cup. Right. I mean, Adams has kind of bounced around a little bit in the last couple of years. But he's only three years removed from being – I was looking this up again today. The leading rusher in the CFL in 2019 as a quarterback. Like, the, it's, it is three years, so you don't know if he's lost step, half a step, or whatever. But this is a guy who he's been behind center numerous games in the CFL, so he's got experience. As you mentioned, he's not walking into a ragtag group that can't really get it done. This is a really complete and talented roster that he's surrounded with. So he's got options of many he gets out there. You know he's going to have that feeling of new life breathed into him, which will give him personal energy with a bit of a fresh start here and a team that is so accomplished and competing not just for a playoff spot, but maybe the West Championship and maybe onto the Grey Cup. And if he can use his legs, that's always the sort of thing that makes a quarterback especially dangerous in any kind of football, the CFL too. So I... I'm not afraid of this move as a Bomber fan. I like BC doing this because I think that it provides a challenge and the Bombers are the best team in the league and they should be up for what every, anybody can throw at them. But uh, it definitely makes that road to the Grey Cup maybe not as challenging with Rourke, but maybe we'll see. Like The Bombers don't know what Vernon Adams looks like on the BC Lions and all indications are that this is not just some guy they've 
picked up and they're plopping in there. This is a guy with some pedigree, some experience in this league and some, some skills. So uh, makes BC definitely competitive this year. Yeah, we'll have much more on the uh, on the Bombers, the rest of the CFL with Hammer and uh, John Hodge, and uh, hopefully Hot Rod uh, as we get into the weekend. Listen, I know we just got a couple minutes left. Uh, you, you talked about how some of the challenges of doing daily sports talk radio can be in late August. Uh, we know that there's no shortage of passion, interest on the Winnipeg Jets, and it was sort of a wild offseason, you know, with the coaching surge, Barry Trotz, PLD handing us the gift of a lot of controversy that got people fired up and a lot of people coming to the show. But, man, it's been quiet. Just quickly, I mean, your thoughts on, you know, where the Jets are right now, having not done very much, coming off such a disappointed season, and what is on the shoulders of Rick Bonus to turn around if, in fact, we don't see much more before we get to training camp next month? Yeah, I don't have a great feeling going into this year. Uh, I don't see this team truly changing its trajectory, which over the last few seasons has felt like a downward trajectory. Now, Stastny, who is gone, uh, was getting a little bit older. It feels like Carolina has gone to get him for playoff run. Like they're thinking like they, they want Paul Stass to be able to provide kind of like what Justin Williams provided, you know, like Mr. Game 7. So I, I don't know that Stassi's the kind of guy, he's certainly not giving you 80 games, maybe 55 to 60 games. I always liked him in the lineup, but he, he but he's past his prime. So him leaving, okay. Cop, um, you know, Cop was really kind of continuing to grow and continuing to grow. But, okay, they got a new coach. They got the same great goalie who we hope has a bounce back. They have the same leading forward crew they have the same defense that has some questions and didn't really seem to get the job done last year. The division hasn't gotten weaker. Colorado's still fantastic. Uh, Dallas is going to give them trouble. Nashville's going to give them trouble. Everybody except maybe Chicago is going to give them trouble in that division. So I just don't know where the optimism comes from, from some of the people I talk to. It's like, this team totally underperformed last year. They've got major issues with their leadership group, the guys who wear the letters. Uh, they've got they're probably their their best, most recent addition to the team, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Can't get out of town fast enough, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, so they shook it up with a new coach. I just is it just one of those things where like time heals all wounds? So people have forgotten over the summer how disappointing this team was for almost all of last year. They're not going to be better. I just don't. Are you telling me? me? Are you telling me? Matt? me. Are, you, are you telling me that time doesn't heal all wounds? We're uh, we're, well, it's, we're giving them a mulligan. Like here, I think mulligan on last year. <laughs> But it's not, it wasn't just last year. It was like the year before was a little bit worse than the year before. Oh, I Look, know. <laughs> I was all about this team in 2018, and I was one of the people saying, I wasn't on the air, so people didn't have a chance to hear me except around me at the arena. But in 2019, I felt like the Jets had a really great time. Somebody had to lose to St. Louis in the first round. They had that terrible game five where they lost in seconds at home. If that series goes differently, who knows where that team is? Like, they were still a very good team in 2019. 2020, I mean, then you get into the lockout, and, uh, sorry, the lockout, the pandemic the lockdown, the bubble, all that sort of stuff. They've just, they've taken steps back and it's the same players. Blake Wheeler is not going to throw up 90 points again. Blake Wheeler is going to say, have people asking, is he hurt? Is he lost the fire? Is he slow? Like, what's the story? Blake Wheeler is my age. 
I'm 37 years old. I'm not Tom Brady, Andrew's hero and inspiration in life who can play at a high level until he's 50. I mean, there's just not enough that this, like you said, they've done pretty much nothing and they were already not looking so good last year. So I, I am not, I am not looking forward to this year. I think it's going to be another, I, I always, I have this line, like you talk about like what I've been doing as a rabbi and talking to people like, uh, for example, and going through weddings or going through funerals, these big life moments where you're questioning your identity. The worst kind of identity crisis for a person or a business to have is when they don't know they're having an identity crisis. And I worry that the Jets don't realize that they're better off going the way of a rebuild. I'm not saying that for sure, but if they are, they sure don't look like a team that is an organization of business that is embracing this. It looks like they're trying to kind of hang on to the past. Well, it's like you're four years removed from when this team beat the crap out of a lot of people. And some of those players are gone. And some of those players who are still here are not playing like they did four years ago. And four years in professional sports and in hockey is a lot. So you can put me in the category of people who uh, I think it's going to be a real long winter in Winnipeg. Well, I, you know, we're going to find out quickly. And I mean, I think we know with the two-year window on a number of these contracts, if it doesn't start well, I mean, it'll be a kick in the ass too. Uh, it'll be a kick in the butt to that point where they do have to move on. Listen, I know you got to run. This was a great chat. We will do this again very soon. Best to the boys and to Heather. And uh, we appreciate you jumping on today, Maddie. Thank you so much. I just want to say one other quick little thing about the Blue Jays. Man, the Blue Jays have my stomach in knots all the time. They're sweeping <laughs> Boston. They're getting swept by the Angels. They're going to sweep the Cubs. Like, oh, it, like you want to watch the Jays and you want to get so into it and they're so easy to get into it. But then it's like, it's like one of those very dangerous relationships right where like when you're together one minute it's just like it's so amazing you feel incredible the romantic connection's amazing you're having so much fun for 12 hours and then you scream at each other for three hours it's like oh i can't i can't i can't take it so i need you to play the role of counselor with me maybe next time i come on and hopefully we can talk about the jays a little bit too and uh oh, because like they're not gonna have vladimir guerrero jr forever i i worry and the guy is so good and there's so many players around like Springer who I just love watching. But uh, that's the other thing that I find time for in the summer is uh, living and dying with the Blue Jays. Hey, just remember where the Atlanta Braves were around this time last year, a couple weeks before. The Jays certainly have a lot of talent. It's about getting it all click, all clicking together for the better part of a month. And I think they have that club in their bag. They just got to find it. Maddie, all the best to you, my friend. Let's do this again soon. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to see you. All the best to everyone who listens to Winnipeg Sports Talk, to all the great sponsors for supporting it. Like I said, when 1290 went down, Hustler and Remus and all the sponsors and all the fans were there to prove that this is a sports-hungry town and this is the kind of town that deserves programming like this. I'm thrilled every time I get to be on here. I love that you guys do this every day, even in late August when it can be tough to come up with topics. You're doing a great job. You're great pals, and uh, keep it up. Thanks, dude. Yeah, the grind is real, but uh, hey, listen, we've got such a great crew of people with us in the chat every each and every day, and obviously everyone doing it on podcast. There was no no time to take a week off or anything like that. We got training camp right around the corner. We got the best team in the Canadian Football League. 
playing their arch rivals on the weekend, there certainly is lots to get to. And we will chop it up with Sean Reynolds a little bit later on. And as I mentioned, later on in the program, Noah Lieberman is going to join us at a really interesting piece on a book that he's written on everything that is involved in fantasy sports. Um, you know, things, the relationship challenges and more. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. And folks, if you have not already, I've put out the gauntlet. We've got well over 200 people with us watching live right now on YouTube. If you get 200 likes, 200 thumbs up by the end of the program, once we're done the interview with Noah Lieberman that we did a little earlier, it will be the debut of our fill-in producer extraordinaire, Alex. You've been, you've been asking for it. Well, we will make it happen. Hit that thumbs up button, folks, and uh, we'll meet Alex live in person on the show a little bit later on. Um, all right, listen, uh, Rennie coming up in a few minutes right now. <clears throat> Do want to thank our great sponsors and friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for all of their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know Vita Health is uh, stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. If you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, a great grab-and-go deli with Vita Market salads and sandwiches. This absolutely is the store for you. Hey, a local company, family-owned. They've been empowering Manitobans to lead healthy lives for over 85 years. And now have seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and a fully shoppable website as well. Uh, if you want to make an order for in-store pickup or delivery, you can do that as well, all over at myvita.ca. Well, with August coming to an end, we're thinking about a very busy September, both on the sports scene and probably in many of your lives. Um, but, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we're getting into September, you can still, from our friends at Wallace & Wallace, get a brand new beautiful garage door delivered and installed within four weeks, just in time for the craziness of the back-to-school season. Wallace & Wallace, not only Winnipeg's fencing specialists, but they also work with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. And you've got 161 styles of garage doors to choose from. So there's certainly a style that's right for your home. And speaking of doors, you may not know, but a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of their home. Wallace & Wallace, the experts for garage doors, boathouse doors as well. You can find out all the information at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call or pop down and see them at their showroom on Lawson Road. All right. Uh, I went in. To see Andrew and the gang at F Apparel yesterday, I've been mentioning it. <clears throat> I'm doing a wedding on the weekend. Figured this was a great time to upgrade the wardrobe heading into the off into the, uh, the the fall and whatnot. <clears throat> I picked it up yesterday. We will be doing a challenge at some point very soon for another suit show because this one is uh, it, it came out great. I uh, was pumped. I'm going to look good on the weekend, which is important for uh, the role that I'm playing. But maybe the coolest thing about it, I got the Winnipeg Sports Talk logo on the inside of the jacket. So I'm very excited to show that off to you. I'll wait till Remus gets back for another suit uh, suit show. Uh, but he's got done up at F Apparel. I have now as well. And bottom line is if you're thinking about uh, maybe upping your game in the wardrobe department, the spot for guys is F Apparel down at 1 at 90 Smith Street downtown. I also took advantage of a great uh, shirt special they've got on right now three shirts for 210 bucks custom done i got a couple dress shirts one more casual one to go with the suit 
Uh, so really looking forward to that. Hey, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. F is there for you. Custom suits beginning at $400. And when I popped in yesterday, a number of people getting ready for their wedding parties for next summer. And of course, F's got a great deal, 15% off for all the fellas when the wedding party gets their suits down over at F Apparel. And as we head into the uh, fall, I'm already thinking about next summer. I'm already thinking about getting back to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Uh, regular listeners will know we had such an amazing time a few weeks back out there. And as great as the fishing is, and as convenient as it is for a fly-in lodge to be able to be on the lake within two hours of the city of Winnipeg, the one thing that really separates Aikens from anywhere else is the incredible hospitality of the Turen family. Whether you're going with friends and family, where you're doing a corporate retreat, uh, the way you're taken care of, fed, and entertained by the Aikens staff is uh, literally second to none. Find out more online, AikensLake.com. And you can hit up our good friend Pitt Turan on Twitter or Instagram as well, at Aikens Lake, for more information on what they've got going on for coming up for next summer. All right. Uh, so Sean Reynolds is going to join us coming up in a few minutes on the program. And as I mentioned, we've got a neat piece with a local author on a very unique uh, fantasy football book that has been written. Um, but I am quite interested to hear what folks feel about what Libel had to say. And listen, folks, you know me, I'm a pretty positive guy. And I mean, uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And like many of the big J's, you sort of have to be neutral. I mean, I'm just like you all. I mean, I want to see this team, the Winnipeg Jets, do well. Uh, I'd love to see them, uh, you know, have entertaining games, win lots of hockey games, have playoffs, and, you know, give people some hope and real great entertainment throughout the year. And listen, I still think that's going to happen for the most part. I mean, I do think this team is going to be competitive. Um, but more and more, when I talk to fans, you know, and people around, there is that sense of, um, it, honestly, it worries me because we're sort of getting back to where we finished off last season. And that was why this offseason to me was such an opportunity for the organization to maybe go in a little bit of a different direction, to get a new feeling around the club. And, you know, a big part of that, obviously, was, you know, many of the trade discussions that we'd heard, whether it would be key players changing that core a little bit, changing that leadership group. Uh, but as of right now, it hasn't happened yet. Now, part of that may be by design. I think think, to be honest, considering what we've heard, especially around Captain Blake Wheeler and the fact that he was being shopped around and seemingly was on board with making a move, uh, I think some of it was out of um, just the fact of the matter. It was very difficult to move, you know, particularly that contract, but from some others. And, you know, I think the Winnipeg Jets, to be honest, got to a point where they figured that doing something for the sake of doing something probably is not in uh, in their best interest. And, you know, if you look at the Jets roster, um, the players that other teams are probably most interested in, maybe not the guys with the contracts or the contract control expiring in the next couple of years, outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois, who created a very unique situation, maybe his agent did for himself, where, um, you know, I think many people around the league just uh, almost assume at this point that he will be a free agent in a couple of years. So maybe that changes his, uh, his, his, you know, his value a little bit on the on the trade market. I mean, I don't think they're into trading Kyle Connor. I sure as hell hope they're not ever thinking of trading Nikolai Ehlers and a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Until you're at the point where you are committing to a rebuild, has to be your guy. He's the backbone and the most important player uh, on the hockey club. Um, so 
I, I, I certainly do. He'll have hope. I guarantee you when we get to training camp, I mean, you're going to hear me excited. Great to see the guys back and great to see what happens. And, you know, I just hope that it was first and foremost, I do hope that there is something else that happens. I really do think that it's very problematic if this team goes in to, you know, camp with all the defensemen that they have under contract, the veterans there. Um, I think it would be send a really, really tough message to players like Billy Hanela and Dylan Sandberg if due to necessity of holding on to contracts, they were shipped off to the Manitoba, the uh, the Manitoba Moose at the beginning of the season. Um, and you you do wonder what that, you know, what the effect that is on, uh, on the young players. Uh, but there is a lot of talent on this team, and there's a number of guys that can step up their games from last year and make the team more competitive. So that's certainly something that we'll be talking about with Sean Reynolds coming up in just a couple minutes on the program. Uh, I see the uh, great, great stuff in here. I see we're up to 132 likes right now, folks. Again, hit the thumbs up button. We're going to get to 200 on this program. And at the end, we will introduce to you our fill-in producer extraordinaire all the way from the nation's capital, Alex, a little bit later on in the program. Uh, but we are going to have Sean Reynolds jump on. Um, you know, just before we do that, I should thank our friends at Culligan Water. Of course, Kenny was on yesterday. I think Kenny must have crushed two liters during his visit yesterday. I mean, he was well hydrated before and certainly well hydrated afterwards. Uh, but when we're talking about hydration, it's the folks at Culligan Water who've been doing it as a family-owned business for 65 years here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. You can visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue and check out their water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Uh, but everything's online at drinkculligan.com. As I mentioned, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, or give them a call at 694-5180 for water services for the home, the cottage, or your business. Well, a lot of you, I'm sure, I'm very jealous, are going to be getting on a, a bus or in a car with some with some of your friends and heading out to the Labor Day Classic. Do you have your bomber stuff yet? If you don't, or you want to up your wardrobe, we've talked about F apparel, getting the wardrobe. Well, there's a special wardrobe you need for Labor Day weekend, and that includes a lot of blue. And there is amazing blue bomber gear down at our friends at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Pop into Royal before you head west to Regina and get the latest blue bomber gear, including the new third jersey with the two stripes representing the back-to-back -back championships. And I know they do have uh, name and number jerseys with Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, Zach Caleros, as well as Blanks, and so much more, including some exclusive back-to-back -back Grey Cup championship hats as well. But there's so much more than just bomber gear. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise getting ready for the upcoming season and tons of NFL gear coming in by the day before next Thursday's NFL kickoff. And of course, if you play hockey, you already know that Royal Sports is the best hockey store in town with players helping you get what will take your game to the next level. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for their latest merchandise drops and sale information and a big tent sale coming up in early September. We'll let you know about that as well. And uh, hey, with the games going on, if you're not able to get out to Regina, the best other place to watch it with the gang is your local Boston pizza. Great specials daily. Pizza flights are back. And of course, Monday night football promos as well coming just around the corner, including a couple of trips to Vegas to see the Raiders. Um, 
Pop down to Boston Pizza, and if you can't, check out their game day deals online and order at bostonpizza.com. And just before we bring Rennie in, uh, Breezy Ben, place to be this week for golf. We talked to uh, uh, Daniel Super from Golf Canada yesterday as the Canadian Women's Mid-Am and Senior Championships got going at Breezy Ben. The course is in incredible shape. Huge shout-out to Craig McLeod doing just an amazing job on the grounds. Uh, first round went great. We've got some really awesome weather for the next two rounds free admission so if you are thinking about uh, taking in some of our top female golfers in the country it's at breezy bend for the next couple days and you can go to the golf canada website for more information on the event all right let's get to it lots to chop up with our good friend of sportsnet sean reynolds rennie it's been a minute how's your summer been it's, it's going great it's been phenomenal i mean this august it's that kind of august you know, usually around mid-August, there's that that wind will blow and you'll be like, oh, I feel September in that wind, right? We haven't had that. We've had this kind of August that I looked at the calendar and I'm like, it's September tomorrow? What happened to August? Because, you know, there was no hint that it was coming to an end. So I'll take that. Uh, any, any long summer is a good summer in Winnipeg. You know, I, I'm with you. I got completely caught off guard. And we've been planning the sports trivia night with our friends at Little Brown Jug for September 1st for a while. And we were kind of getting to the weekend and I was working on some stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Thursday. And then I was yeah. doing the lock shop yesterday with Dustin Nielsen. And Dusty's like, yeah, I'm not on uh, tomorrow. It's the kid's first day of school. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe it was the short, maybe it was how brutal like April and May were around here. I mean, it really yeah. didn't, frankly, almost even June. into June. It's like summer didn't really start until late. And it's been pretty nice for the last couple months. But uh, I'm not sure if we're ready to, to get into the fall yet. But Labor Day's here. And, of course, Winnipeg Jets training camp right around the corner as well. So enjoy these 30-degree days this week. I think they're numbered. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but you're right. It was a late start to the summer. Uh, and I think something to do with like the, the illusion that the hockey season created. We're still kind of in that COVID schedule and it pushed everything back just a couple of weeks. So that, that played a role in it too. But uh, you're right. Enjoy what we've got here. I just came back from walking the dogs. It was a, It's a scorcher out there. The backyard uh, above ground pool that we have going and share with the neighbors is humming right now. So uh, let's enjoy it while it lasts. Um, you know what, listen, I want to focus on the Jets with you. And I mean, you know, many of the questions that we've been kicking around here about what, what is, has and hasn't happened, but can't really start off a visit from somebody in the Winnipeg sports media the week of the Labor Day Classic without talking a little bit of the Bombers. And that's not something we've actually spoken a lot about. I know we touched on it a bit when you were on holidays no. earlier on, but 10-1, and one, going to Regina this week. I mean, they had that one blip on a game that was eminently winnable, probably should have been 11 and 0, but hey, yeah. it is what it is. Um, but what are you thinking about this game coming up this weekend? Because if one thing is history has told us, you can throw the records out the window when the Bombers and Riders play in both the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl. You know, I'm going to say that I think that this Bombers team is historically good. We've seen that already. They're on the precipice of doing, like, amazing things. You know, without that season shutdown, we could be talking about, you know, you know, undisputedly one of the greatest teams ever. I think the Bombers are so good that you can take that, you know, je ne sais quoi element that exists between the Riders and the Bombers, especially on Labor Day and Banjo Bowl, and throw it out the window. Like, I think that the Bombers are just so good that they are better than that rivalry that exists right now. I have no concerns about the Bombers 
this upcoming week or the week after that, I think they're going to handle business just fine. It, it is interesting. The, the one thing I keep thinking about this Bombers team, and you'd mentioned it, they could be 11 and 0. And, you know, it, there were some, you know, breaks, you know, specifically in the kicking game that went against the Bombers. But the one thing that I found fascinating is if you th- take a look at all their games this year, I mean, Calgary, they're right in it with Calgary, right down to the wire every single time. There's been, you know, the game before that against Montreal. There's been a lot of games, you know, BC, well, not so much BC, but um, like there's been games that, that went the right way for the Bombers. And the way, the way I think of it, you know, the way that the Grey Cup ended last season, the way this all started out, you know, in, in the uh, Western Conference Final with Cody Fajardo hitting the uprights with that ball, it feels to <laughs> me that the Bombers have been on an amazing streak for like three years now of every single important break going their way. So I'm not ready to give them a pass and say that they should be an undefeated team because a couple breaks went because the break count has been up here for the Bombers and down here for everyone else playing against the Bombers. So give them that loss, and I say it's well-earned. Yeah, you know what? I mean, the the only reason I say that is that, you know, they did exactly in the fourth quarter. I kind of went over this map, but, I mean, fourth quarter comes up, tight game. They go 100 yards for a touchdown. It's tied late. They get the ball. They drive all the way down. They don't give it back. They've got a kick to win really a single to win and that's why it was such a bizarre way to lose a football game but you know what big picture when you look at this team winning these close games i mean the bombers seem to be better coached better prepared and more disciplined than every team that they play and the discipline in particular sean has been a big big issue for the saskatchewan rough riders over the last few years and you know i mean and we'll sort of tie this into a jets conversation that's going into a new era not necessarily a personnel, but with a new coach. And, you know, what Mike O'Shea has been able to do with instilling a culture of expectations, uh, performance, um, and discipline, all the things that you need in a championship team is honestly the envy of other football teams. But if I'm, a, if I'm owning a pro sports team or if I'm involved even in another business, I look at the way Agreed. they've turned around from being, frankly, a laughing stock for a good period of, you know, the first part of that decade to a team that is on the verge of, frankly, being a dynasty. And a lot of it goes to not only the incredible players that Kyle Walters has put in and managed to get to buy in and stay here in Winnipeg, but the message right from the top with Mike O'Shea. And it seems like this team sort of emanates, uh, you know, exactly what he's about each and every week. And that helps you win a lot of football games. And it puts you in the position to win those close games because often it's the little things in tight games that's the difference between winning and losing. I think the the Bombers are a lesson for teams, not just in the CFL, but in other leagues of like what you need to do to win the way they've got to buy. And I think you put it, you know, that to me is the thing that always amazes me about this team is how often they put themselves in a situation to win and then how often they pull it off yeah i i I am in the school of people who think that there's been an inordinate amount of lucky breaks that have gone the bombers way but a lucky break when you're down three touchdowns doesn't win you the game but when you're constantly putting yourself into a situation where you can win the game that lucky break is gonna what's gonna put you over the top so maybe the lucky breaks just look like they stand out for the bombers because they always put themselves in a situation where one lucky break or one right thing going your way wins you the game Uh, and then you know just the other stuff that you were talking about how well this team is coached I think 
that the one thing that the Bombers coaching staff has done best is they've identified the things that the players need to do to be successful and the things that win you football games, and they follow that. You'll see this time and time again with the Bombers. The other teams take a bad penalty that the Bombers take advantage of and go on and win that game. Well, it's not the Bombers taking that bad penalty, putting themselves in that different situation. I'm going to show my age here. There's a line in, uh, a, no, not a river, Legends of the Fall, a movie that was supposed to be shot in Winnipeg that, if I remember correctly, they didn't shoot it in Winnipeg because in the Exchange District, they wouldn't take the removable trees out of the sidewalk. I don't know if you remember that one, but they talk about Brad Pitt's character as being the rock that people break themselves on that's the bombers they are the rock they are steady they hold their stuff together at all times they're consistent and the other team just keeps smashing into them and breaking themselves against them because you know when you're running into a rock your weaknesses show have been that rock for a long time now you know what we'll talk about what's happening on the ice in a minute uh and what we expect to see and the big questions around the actual hockey team but I'm interested in your perspective on this. Um, the Jets are in a very different situation, I think, right now. Um, certainly fan base-wise, there's been some erosion, shall we say. There was some apathy, unfortunately, that was setting in towards the end of last season. And, you know, through this offseason, a lot was expected and it hasn't happened. But from a big-picture standpoint, and I realize this is a very different situation. It's the Canadian Football League. You're competing against other teams in Canada but for a long time, the Bombers were the last resort to get players here. And now they're the place that everybody wants to go for a number of reasons. What do you think the Jets as an organization can learn from what's happened down at IG Field over the course of the last five and six years as they look to, you know, both on the ice and in the community, maybe turn the corner and um, get back to where they've been uh, in the past? Well, one thing I think is like the, the, the I mean, you took, you take a look at the Canadian mafia that, that put this team together. They came in with a vision. They've executed that vision. They've stayed true to that vision. I think that there are some parallels between the two organizations where there was a number of years there where the Bombers had a plan and it wasn't coming to fruition, but they believed in that plan and they stuck with that plan. I've always thought that True North and the Bombers look exactly like that because the, the True North has been about putting the outside noise to the side and following their plan and getting there. Uh, but, but I will say this about the Bombers. I think that the Bombers have done a really good job of A, appreciating their fan base, B, tying the effort from their players. And you talk about guys like Adam Big Hill who walked into town, who came from a great program in BC and you know that, that city there, but came here and saw how fans embraced the Bombers and appreciate that. And in order to show that appreciation, make sure that they are putting everything that they have on the field. And that is the way they connect with their fans. That is the way they say thank you to their fans for everything that you're giving us, all the energy you're giving us, you're gonna get our best effort. So the same thing from Andrew Harris, walked in here, said the way that these fans are treating us, they deserve a championship and left nothing out the entire time he was here to make sure that he was not just, I mean, a lot of times this is about these guys, they want to win. They want to be able to look back on their careers and say they did this. But when you get a fan base that's connected to a team and the fan base is enjoying what they're seeing and giving all their energy, 
and the players give that back with their best effort. That's how you get like true harmony between a fan base and a really good, you know, football team, hockey team, whatever. And that's what we're seeing with the Bombers right now. I think it's pretty obvious we did not see that from the Jets last year. And you know what? Maybe there's been a little bit of a tail tail off in the fans, but the Winnipeg Jets fans for a lot of years were the best fans that you could possibly ask for. Through the rebuild, they didn't ask for a winning team. They just asked for a product. And that was enough, and they gave all their energy. And then the Jets got good to the point that they were making the playoffs, and they got some energy that maybe the league hadn't seen before. What I think the disconnect between what you're seeing from the Bombers right now and the Jets right now is the Bombers players take a look in that stadium and say, wow, look what we're getting here. Let's put on a show for these guys. And the best way to do that is to give everything we have. I don't think anyone out there, including the players on the Winnipeg Jets, believe that the Jets gave their fans everything they had last year. And maybe that's why you're seeing a little bit of that erosion you're talking about. Maybe that's why the fan response has been a little bit lackluster. Because if if the fans are giving everything they have and they're not getting it back, soon enough the fans stop giving everything they have. Yeah, you know what? It's a great point, Ren. And and, and I've said this for the last few years, um, you know, being, and I'm sure you'd probably agree with me on this. I mean, I haven't seen a connection between a fan base and a team and the actual players like this going on in Winnipeg with this team in, in blue and gold in, well, maybe in my lifetime. I mean, I kind of think back to Jets 1.0 when the team was leaving. I think there was a real appreciation of the support that those guys got. And, uh, you know, it was all surrounded by a black cloud that the team was leaving. But it is special. And it's been that way for a while, even before they actually won that first championship. That kind of was building. And it's been taken to a whole nother level as more people come on. And I mean, you've been to the games. I mean, you go to the games this summer. I mean, they're pushing 30,000. It is the place to be. And you've got yeah. tons of young people. I mean, it, it's it's just awesome to see. And, um, you know, I certainly hope, I think everybody hopes, I mean, it's in everyone's best interest that we can get back to that happening at, um, at, at, the, at the rink downtown. But there yeah. is a lot of work to do, and the team's coming off. I mean, such a disappointing season. And we all, I think, to a man, expected this to be the most impactful and interesting offseason in Jets 2.0 history. Yeah. And yet we're talking yeah. tomorrow is the 1st of September, and I think it's safe to say that hasn't happened. Um, how surprised are you that we're basically still in the same spot, and why do you think that was? Um, because it certainly sounded at the end of the season from an organizational perspective, I mean, you talked to Kevin Sheveldayoff, that – there were going to be some significant changes and obviously at some point, whether by design or circumstance, we're here where we're at. Okay. The, the, the part of me that wants to say, I told you so to the world um, is, is <laughs> not surprised by it. this, is, is not surprised by this because I had been saying this. People will remember if they were tuning in uh, to Kenny and Rennie or even, I mean, I remember being on, uh, on air with Nick Kiprios on Fan 590 out of Toronto around March or something like that. And he said, when they blow this thing up in the off season, who stays and who goes? And I said to him at that time, I don't think they're going to blow it up. I don't think we're going to see much in the way of changes at all. And I truly believe that at that time. And, you know, uh, you know, you and I probably, 
probably talked about it in this space on your show here. I know Ken and I talked about it on 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 uh, Kenny and Rennie. Uh, I don't want to you know burn him when he's not here, but Ken was of the belief that there was going to be drastic changes. I had said I didn't think that there would be, but I gotta say, Hus, even though I said that and even though I expected it, there's still a part of me right now that is surprised that there weren't changes or maybe surprised that there just seems to have been zero changes at all. And it, it's almost like the changes that have happened, you know, Paul Stastny not coming back, that I, I don't want to say it's inaction because I don't believe that it is inaction. I think the Jets tried to bring him back. It didn't work out. I think he went and he looked and saw, you know, where he is in his career, what he wants to accomplish and feels that for the, you know, the, the money that was offered, which I think he probably could have got more elsewhere. Um, he feels he's going to have a better chance of accomplishing what he wants to accomplish at this point in his career in Carolina compared to Winnipeg. But I'll say this to your point, like tomorrow, September, if you would have told me that this was the list of transactions that had happened in Winnipeg over the summer, even I would have been surprised. And I think I was kind of waving the flag of, I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnover here. I have to say, Haas, I still do believe that the way that the Jets have handled their salary business, the Jets don't really do a lot when it comes to free agency. We know that the proof is in the pudding in the past. The way that they go get their guys is the same way that they got Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt and, uh, 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 um, you know, Stastny the first time around is they leverage teams that are in salary trouble and they take someone off their hands and that's how they get their guys. The Jets are in the position to do that. I fully expect they are going to do that. I don't think it means they can take an absolutely massive swing, but I do think they are going to add someone and that will be what they hold up and say, see, we were working at this. We were trying to make change, but you know, that, that change is not nearly enough. And I'll say this, it's, it's pretty interesting. And maybe this is a, a direction you wanted to go after this, but you know, the, the storyline is already coming that we got it wrong, right? Like, uh, Mark Shifley has basically said this, and this is what the team is going to be saying going forward. There never was an issue. This was all overblown. The media made a bigger deal out of this than, than they should have and don't believe what you're hearing. The one thing I'll say about that that I think is extremely dangerous, if there's players in that dressing room that don't feel that way, that feel that there was a problem, that there were problems that needed to be addressed. And I do believe there are players in that dressing room that feel exactly that way. Mm. Though the message to those players is shut up. We're pretending this never happened and you're gonna have to deal with it. The fact that we're pretending it never happened because that means we're pretending that your concerns aren't there either. That I think is pretty dangerous if what we, you know, ex what very much sounded like what was happening, what the team was talking about happening, players were openly talking about happening. If that's happening, I think it's a dangerous tact and it puts a lot in the lap of Rick Bonus to fix heading into the season. You know what? That is, uh, it is such a great point. I believe it 100%. And, um, you know, listen, I think we all, I mean, I laughed a little bit, of course, when we heard Mark talking with Sarah in her first, uh, in her first day, I guess, is uh, working with the, with the Jets and, you know, saying, listen, I appreciated his um, positivity and his attitude. I mean, I think that, and I'm sure you'll agree. I mean, outside of Connor Hellebuck, I mean, there's no one, if this team is coming back as is, there's no one that has the potential 
to be the change more than Mark Shifley. I mean, frankly, they simply they need that from him. Um, So, I mean, maybe that is the party line, but I do, uh, I do agree with you. I mean, I think that, you know, if you come in, you hear what you're hearing about some of those end of season meetings about the way the season ended and the way guys were feeling about it. If, the if the mo is to come back and just say that this is fake news and uh you know people have been making yeah. stuff up well you know what then the onus is to show that that is the case and you're exactly right um i i mean listen i think everyone loves rick bonus i mean he's a guy that is universally beloved in hockey he's incredibly experienced and i appreciate the positivity and the attitude that he brings in but holy smokes is that a lot to put on his plate sean to expect that he can come yeah. in and essentially do a complete 180 on a club that you know disappointed on the ice and from pretty much anyone you talk to around the club and just observing listening to what the players were saying at the end of the season things weren't exactly great on that side of things as well and um i'll tell you what i mean if you think the jets are going to do well this season get a rick bonus jack adams future because (laughs) i mean this is going to be this is sort of it's now almost put on his shoulders right now if something doesn't happen and, and i still do think there might be some tweaks to the roster but you know as far as any big significant change amongst the key players i think we know who those guys are going to be at the start of the year yeah you're entirely right this is i mean the one big change and i've i've, I've said this from the beginning i i you know i i've always been an advocate that coaches should be really good coaches should be making like seven eight million dollars right like because really you could add an eight million dollar player a single eight million dollar player to your roster and you could add a coach and who do you think is going to have a bigger effect on that team i i say dollars to donuts it's it's typically the coach so i think coaches should be paid like star players especially if they have the capacity to turn things around well if rick bonus rolls in and takes all the issues that this team has been dealing with and either fixes them or suppresses them or does whatever and gets this team playing winning hockey which if you take a look at this roster i I mean no one should be surprised if you get to that situation i don't think that i look at this roster and say this is a stanley cup and waiting roster the way that you know uh mark shifley kind of hinted to um but i do think that it's a roster that can compete if everything is you know if everyone's pulling on the rope together and i am a big big believer that rick bonus i i honestly think you know i took a look at all the coaches that made the changes on the coaching carousel and it was a big coaching carousel this offseason i'm not sure that there's a coach on that coaching carousel that could do a better job in Winnipeg than Rick Bonus. I think Barry Trotz was the number one guy, but he didn't go to anyone. But I mean, would Bruce Cassidy do a better job with this team than Rick Bonus? I don't think that's an obvious answer to that question. Pete DeBoer, I think I'd take Bonus before I'd take Pete DeBoer. Name John Tortorella. I mean, with the PLD situation, (laughs) that was almost a no-go, right? So I take a look at this, and I think when it comes to finding a coach, I don't know that other than convincing Barry Trotz to not take a step away from the game. Other than that, Kevin Sheveldale, I think, I think did the best possible job he could have done. But back to the point, 
it does seem like other than bringing in a coach who I think can make a big difference, there hasn't been a lot of help from the GM to put that coach in a, a, a good spot. And to the point that we were talking about, if they're just saying, like you said, the party line and saying everything's fine, nothing to see here. If there is something to see there and behind the scenes that's percolating, well, that's that's you just handed you know, a smoking bag of dog, you know what to your coach to start and put out before everything else gets started here. And I don't think it's necessary. Like if, if there were problems in the dressing room last year and, and you couldn't move players out, then just say there were issues. We need to deal with those. We're professionals. We're going to, it's easy enough to say that things went off the rails and we're going to bring them back. That's what you say. You don't need to say, no, it never happened. Look over here. This is a, I mean, if there's issues and we've heard enough to expect that there were pretending that they didn't exist, I don't think gives your coach a, a step up heading into the next season. Yeah, and, and listen, I mean, I don't think that we're hearing, uh, seeing Blake Wheeler at number two on the trade bait board and uh, the talk that he's on board and they're searching for that if they didn't identify that they were looking to maybe go a different direction. And you know, as I mentioned, some was desire, some was circumstance, and I think that circumstance has them in the situation that they are right now and how everyone mm -hmm. handles that, uh, especially those big guys, especially Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, you know, right from the get-go, buying into what Rick Bonus is selling, um, I think is going to be the most important thing that happens heading into the upcoming season. But as far as player movement, I mean, I I'm with you at, at this point. I mean, I certainly don't think there'll be anything earth shattering. However, uh, everyone, I mean, all you need, need to do is check out who's not waiver exempt anymore and realize that you've got a major issue on the blue line that has not been solved at this yeah. point. Um, you know, I, the logical thing from my standpoint, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks, now that you know the RFAs have been signed and you know what cap space that you have, would be to move one of those defensemen, get a forward back that maybe costs a little bit more than the defenseman that you're giving out. That cap relief will be attractive to another team. It solves your problem to an extent on the blue line and gives room for a Vili Hainel or a Dylan Sandberg. Do you think that like when we get to the number game number one of the regular season, are all the Jets defensemen still in, in, in with the club? And if that is the case, how do they handle it? Not wanting to lose players that are waiver exempt. And probably, I'm sure Rick Bonus is not keen on his first act as head coach is sending Billy Hanel or Dylan Sandberg to the moose just because they can't go on waivers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that, so the, 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 cap space that the, the Jets typically weaponize. I think that that is probably going to be part of a bigger move. I mean, they, you, you are talking about there are two priorities that they need. They need to bring in someone on offense and they need to ship out someone defensively. So I think to make that package more attractive, you go to a team and you're going to offer them some kind of cap relief, but you're going to say, but in order to give you that, I also need to move this guy. So we'll take extra from you coming back. We're going to make sure you get your cap relief, but in the, in the, process of this we're going to alleviate a log jam that we have here so that's what i'm waiting on and the the longer you leave it i think the more likely it has to be a big swing so i see the jets moving you know a defenseman and bringing in two players one of those players is gonna you know be 
at least one of those players is going to be like a cap relief type of player coming from another team. And then maybe that way you add a little bit more of the depth that you do need up front. I mean, I, I've been you know beating this drum for a long time. I think the Jets forwards have been top heavy. Uh, maybe that is exacerbated by the way that, you know, Paul Maurice played those players. I always said Paul Maurice took a look at the board and said, who are our top six forwards? Well, that's line one and line two, right? Whereas I think other coaches go about it by saying, how can we spread this out and take our number 12 guy and make him look like a number seven guy because he's playing with the number two and the number four guy, right? Um, and bonus so did that I, I think there's some he did. So so there's tweaking. I think he's already going to make things better there. But I still do think that there's that the Jets could use more depth in their bottom six than they've traditionally had and they have right now. So if you're able to move one of those defensemen, pull in, you know, a couple of guys who are going to round out that bottom six, one guy who's probably making a little bit more than he should be making, but give salary relief to someone else. I think it would be a win-win scenario uh, that that Chevy could could pull off in that situation. Uh, that's the kind of tra trade he needs, I think. You know, going forward, setting up those kind of trades with other teams where it's like you scratch my back, I scratch yours, instead of, you know, leveraging teams and backing them into a corner and saying, well, you need salary relief, just pass me that guy. And and I'll take them off your hands. I think one of those you scratch my back, my, I scratch yours kind of trades is exactly what the Jets could use in a situation right now. Uh, and, and it would allow them to provide a little bit more depth down that bottom six while opening up some space in the, in the bottom, or excuse me, on the blue line. Yeah, I mean, and listen, I, I realize, you know, being the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets is probably one of, if not the toughest spot in that occupation in the National Hockey League. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, have it in their contracts. They can't be traded to Winnipeg. And, you know, I think that I, I certainly know, I mean, from things that I've heard, and I'm sure you've done as well. I mean, there was a lot of interesting talks on some big things the team was considering and trying to do. But again, it's easier yeah. said than done. You can talk about all these things. It's a matter of actually accomplishing it and getting it done. And, you know, that hasn't been the case. And, um, and you know, as much as we're talking about the on-ice product, Sean, um, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about, about, you know, the fan base, season ticket support, all those things that are absolutely mandatory for a healthy team long-term here in Winnipeg, I really did feel that, you know, part of the reason why there would be something maybe big, like maybe significant, was that, you know, as much as you wanted to change and hopefully do things for the betterment of the product on the ice, um, also to change things up and give a little bit of jolt of energy and excitement into the fan base. And that certainly yeah. would have been the case with Barry Trotz, but that didn't happen. And, you know, for a team that's in the first time, um, you know, really having to work to, to sell season tickets as opposed to just, hey, sorry, get on the waiting list. Um that really hasn't happened this year. And I do wonder what those conversations, having been in that job before, I often think about, you know, what I would be, if I'm talking to business owners right now and saying, hey, you know, we'd love for you guys to either to come back or get on board with us, exciting season going up. I mean, what I would be telling people for the reasons why, hey, get in right now. I mean, uh, there's season ticket holder yeah. benefits, and I think they're hopefully going to do a better job of, kind of appreciating the backbone of the franchise, which is the season ticket holders, but that's an entirely different conversation. Um, often yeah. things that are done in the summer are done almost to, you know, give a bit of a kickstart on the business side of things. And, and that hasn't happened. And I'll be fascinated to see, you know, where they end up, where things are right now, because I don't think, and, you know, again, I don't want to pin this all on Shevel Dayoff. Obviously Mark Chipman's involved. I mean, the, or from an organizational standpoint, 
you know, they're, it's their ball to play and they've done what they've done. But uh, I, I think there was somewhat of a missed opportunity to maybe get somewhat of a fresh start uh, and, and, you know, a jolt of energy into this fan base that's not there right now. And I wonder what that will be. Or maybe there's still something coming that uh, has sort of been like the old Lou Lamorello. Oh, we're going to wait till early September when everyone's paying attention <laughs> to drop this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the idea of you're like, what's the sales pitch? Like right now, if you're trying to get people excited about the Jets and what they did, what's the sales pitch, right? Like Trox would have done it, but it's extremely rare for a coach to do that. Bonus, bonus is like you've got this house, right? And the best place you could spend your money is on fixing the foundation, right? And so you go out and you do that. And now this house is that much more valuable and it's going to be a lot better off. But the fact of the matter is the people walking by on the street, they don't see the foundation. They wonder why you haven't put on new siding or a new roof or put in new windows because that's the exciting stuff everyone sees. So while I do think the Jets did really good work in bringing in Rick Bonus, to your point, they haven't brought in any of the kind of flashy stuff that's like I need to get down there now because the Jets brought out this guy and I want to see how this guy looks with Kyle Connor or how he looks with Mark Shifley and, and the other part about it is almost like with some of the news some of the news almost kind of like sucked air out of the room like let's say Pierre-Luc Dubois goes out and has a phenomenal start to the season and it's just absolutely tearing it up well what the fan, the Jets fan is going to be thinking is, look how good this guy is doing and how he's going to just keep building to do this for someone else within the next two years, right? Because we know he's heading out of town. And so it's almost like the excitement that could be created, that it, the potential that there is there for growth is growth that is eventually going to pay off for a different fan base. Even to your point, if Mark Shifley, you know, is, is you know, bounces back and does phenomenal things, well, is Mark, the question mark remains, you know, based on what he said, I know he's saying it was nothing, but is Mark Shifley going to be, you know, building towards leaving and doing that in a couple of years with another team, right? Right now, it just seems like there was so much more uh, news of players looking outside mm -hmm. this market or pointing their ships out of this market in that direction that it's almost like, geez, when the Jets left, you know, I started paying a lot of the, in the 90s, I started paying a lot of attention to the Edmonton Oilers. And what a frustrating team that was to deal with in the 90s, because every time a guy like Bill Guerin got good, he headed out of town, right? Every time someone turned into a star there, it was like, let's raise this guy up to being phenomenal and then send him down the road to somebody else, right? Well, that's kind of feels like with guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois and maybe even Mark Shifley right now, the way things are going, it's hard to get excited behind that because you're starting to feel like a farm team for other teams. So, you know, to your point, big swings that would have brought out, a, you know, some certainty that this guy is here and he's going to be here for some time. We've got him locked down to a five-year contract. You know, that would have been something this fan base could really get behind. To your point, and again, I just think this is, he'll never do it because this is, isn't how he does his business. But a guy like Kevin Dayoff, who's been the GM in Winnipeg for as long as he's been, I wish when it was all said and done, he would write a book 
just oh. one chapter oh. on all the trades that he had pulled off that he said yes to, that the other GM said yes to, and the players kiboshed. I bet you, like, this is the one thing we don't know about Kevin Sheveldayoff. He may be one of the most brilliant GM minds in the history of the game whose best moves constantly keep getting kiboshed by players who won't come to Winnipeg. That's the thing. I feel like there were some big swings that were tried to be taken in the offseason, but big swings, you need big parts to say yes to, and that can be difficult when you're dealing with Winnipeg. And that's their loss. We all know that, but that's the that's the reality. Yeah. Well, and and the reality is it I mean, if you're if if the team looks like it's going in the wrong direction, um, like the bottom line is if you're gonna like Paul Stastny waved his no trade to come. Well, he did to come to a contending team that he thought he had the opportunity yeah. to win the Stanley Cup in. And, you know, to have an exciting team, to have a good young core, to have a team that seems that it can can I mean, you'll be able to convince some people that yeah, maybe I'll suck it up and I can handle minus twenty or minus twenty-five for a couple months because it's gonna be fun, the building's gonna be loud packed, we've got a great fan base, we've got a yeah. chance to win. And um, you know, just considering what's happened the last couple of years, uh, you know, I think they're in a tougher situation now as opposed to, you know, in and around after the 2018 season to pull that off. Um, was it two years ago that Wheeler came back after the uh, off season and sat down with Sarah Orleski for that interview? The, the old legendary uh, a year ago, I was the legendary leader and now it's uh, my fault. Uh, uh, I think it was two years ago. Um, do, does that happen again this year? I mean, when presuming Blake Wheeler's back, and I mean, you can touch on, I mean, if you think there's a potential in any change on who's the captain, um, but how do you think that looks and what is the message from the guy that has been the face of the franchise basically for the last five seasons on coming back and sort of running it back after what happened? He will be the person that I think everyone will be most interested to hear um, once we've now we've already heard from Mark Shifley, who certainly sounds to be in pretty good spirits and uh, would sound like he's very much committed to being part of the part of the answer to turn this thing around. My sense from the organization is that um, there's not, uh, you know, a push to get him out in front of cameras and have this conversation. So I don't think it's going to go in that direction. Your idea about a potential change of the captain, I mean, that's a tricky one. We've seen it pulled off successfully before. It happened in San Jose. Joe Thornton was their captain. He took the, you know, he, he lost the letter. Uh, and, and left that on the table. And they survived that and were a good team for a while. But the conditions to survive that were in place. Joe Pavelski, who remains one of the greatest leaders in the game, was on that team and ready to assume that mantle. Logan Couture was a young player who was ready and able to step into that leadership role. And these are guys, Huss, that I can say procedurally from a media point of view, Joe Pavelski and Logan Couture, whenever I dealt with them and I did the Stanley Cup final where they played the Pittsburgh Penguins, you would go talk to those guys and they would sit and talk to the media for over an hour. Over an hour, these guys would sit and talk to every single person who rolled by them and came and asked them questions. We've never seen anything like that before in Winnipeg from the leadership group here. That's not how they operate. So they pulled that off in San Jose um, and, and were able to do that because the right pieces were in place. I'm not sure we see 
those pieces in place. Maybe Adam Lowry would be like the next up-and-coming type of player like Joe Pavelski. Maybe Kyle Connor is the Logan Couture, except Logan Couture likes to talk to the media. Kyle Connor is getting better at it, but still isn't the most talkative guy. So I don't think the pieces are in place to remove a captain like Blake Wheeler and have someone else cycle in there. So I don't see a change happening. I don't see... Blake changing much course. Uh, I mean, he's 35, you know, coming to be 36 years old. I think Blake Wheeler is who Blake Wheeler is. I don't know that despite the circumstances of what we've seen from this team, that there's going to be a lot of change there. I just really think, you know, expecting change from from the group and how they conduct themselves heading into the season is similar to expecting the change we saw in the off season. This is a team that, you know, is somewhat stuck in their ways in a lot of different situations. That stubbornness has paid off for them in the past. I think they're hoping that stubbornness gets them through a lull or through a big speed bump in the road and gets them back on track. But this organization listens to itself and is talking to itself through this. So I don't, I don't think there's been enough change in any part of the organization to expect them to change the way they operate much more than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, speaking of the captain, a happy birthday to the captain. It's his birthday today, 36 oh, years old as of today, 36, August there you 31st, go. 1986. Yeah. If you're born in 86, you're 36, man, we're old. Um, you know, I, I think the only way the only way something like that actually happens is if it's something that he thinks is in both the best interest of the team and himself. And there might be part of it. I mean, being a captain, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think we saw, especially during a tough season last year, that it sort of took its toll on Blake. And, you know, maybe there's part of me that thinks that maybe, you know, through a long off season with everything that was discussed or wasn't discussed and happened or didn't happen, you know, there, that might be something that, you know, he might put forth. I mean, I think no matter what, I mean, whether you've got a C or an A or nothing on Blake Wheeler's jersey, as long as he's a member of the Winnipeg Jets, he will be one of the most important players in that locker room. But, you know, sometimes guys get to a point where they see, they read the room somewhat, and, you know, maybe that is... Bottom line is, I don't think that Rick Bonus is going to come in and say, all right, we're starting from scratch. We've got no yeah. captain, no assistant. I'll uh, dispute that. But, you know, honestly, Rick, and this goes back to the incredible job on bonus, and, you know, hopefully his experience has prepared him for a really unique situation, is that, you know, getting that buy-in and having all the people on board with pretty much the same personnel for the most part is going to be the interesting – is going to be what I think determines – how things go early on, how much this team comes together. And I think the first 20, 25 games are going to be incredibly important because if it goes bad quick, uh, I think many of the Ooh. things that we've talked about with, you know, with the time on these contracts left, I mean, they might not want to do it, but I mean, you sort of get forced in a situation where, I mean, you may weren't not thinking about rebuilding, but it might yeah. be the time to do it going forward because, time is ticking and you've got valuable assets and we've talked about how difficult it is to get guys here in free agency and tough trades. Well, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but let's talk. I mean, I know there's a lot of people here that are excited about some of the young players that are getting, that will get opportunities this year currently structured as is who are the guys that you think stand to benefit the most, uh, maybe in the bottom six, a guy like a Morgan Barron and, for a Cole Perfetti, who I think is obviously penciled in, maybe penned into that top six, 
opportunity, but at the same time, sort of pressure to be able to come in still technically a rookie in the NHL and produce at a pretty high level and handle some pretty tough matchups uh, when they're going up against top lines in the NHL. Yeah, it's funny because this is where, um, this really is where when Statsny was here and Cop was here, they really had the potential to spread things out. I do think that the loss of those two players is absolutely huge and will kind of mask the idea of what we talked about earlier in the show. Paul Maurice, like I said, really just basically ranked one through six and that was your top two lines. And, you know, never really got into the idea of like, I always say this, like the Pittsburgh Penguins won a cup with, or two cups, did they, with Kessel on the third line? Because, you know, like share the love, spread it out. And, you know, this guy can elevate this player. We never really saw that attempt in Winnipeg. Um, And and they had the players to do it. Like it always seemed there was an odd man out, cop or stats, and he was always ending up on the third line. It's like, share that around. Well, there isn't as much of that. So there's more question marks about what, Rick Bonus could do, but I think you're right. Cole Perfetti is a guy that that you know you could see being given specific opportunity. The Jets really like love Morgan Barron. You could see it. So I mean, there's opportunity there to bump those guys up. Um, you know, Jensen Harkins is a guy that I've always kind of been puzzled about the way that he was handled under Paul Maurice. You always think of that, and I know it was just a one-time thing. You know, but that time when he got moved up to the top line a couple of years back, it was just for a, a game or two, but he showed like a flash. Like, these are the kind of players that I think who have the speed like he does, who could be a bit of a puck hound, that you can put him on a line with better players. And I'm not saying that he's going to to absolutely shoot the lights out or that his numbers are going to shoot up to here. I don't think that's the bellwether when you're looking at these things. I think what it is is can the players around him continue to produce the way they need to produce while he's on that line and then take the skilled player who he replaced on that line. And if they can build that skill down that second line, well, if you pull that off twice, you've taken two lines and you've turned them into three lines. And so those are the players I look at, you know, Morgan Barron, it, it, you know, maybe he'll walk in and maybe Morgan Barron would have done it anyway, right? Uh, and maybe Cole Perfetti would have done it anyway because he's a talented guy. As a, For the guys that kind of, I take a look, you know, maybe Mason Appleton is another guy who could get some time up top who could just go puck hound and force turnovers and try him on different lines and maybe think of those players not so much as your typical third liner, but a guy who can, you know, accompany two skilled players and do a lot of the heavy lifting and open up the ice. Those are two players that I think, you know, I pop up in my head right off the bat. Appleton and Jansen Harkins on what they could maybe lose. Those other players, I think it's unfair to go down that road because I don't think we know who Morgan Barron is. We definitely don't know who Cole Perfetti is at the NHL level. Maybe there we're going to walk in and no matter who the coach was, or no matter what the situation, they were going to succeed. So it would be unfair to go down that road because then I'd be claiming, well, look what they did with Cole Perfetti when Cole Perfetti may have just done it. Yeah, well, I, listen, all I know is that, um, you know, for a long time we talked about there wasn't room for these young players to, to pop in. There certainly is room right now. And uh, yeah. I know Kenny will have yeah. his conductor's hat on rising the uh, driving the Gus bus again. I'm sure he uh, looks Gus to be bus, part of that yeah. opening day lineup as well. I'm just seeing that the Jets have announced uh, FanFest on the 24th at Bell MTS Iceplex is there. And 
Oh my God, our guy, Adam Party's coming back for it. We will be having a party with Adam Party. He and Eric Fair are going to be part of the festivities. A party party. The, fest- <laughs> the festivities as well. Um, what, uh, what's that? What, just before we go, Sean, um, when are we going to get to enjoy more K&R? When, are the, when is the band getting back together? Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll start up with our post game, uh, uh, shows, obviously once things get going, I'm not sure how we'll handle it in the preseason, but I do know that we've had conversations about having a little bit more of a presence during, uh, uh, I mean, the one thing that we know from, from watching your show, uh, and from some of the shows that we did in the offer in the off season is like Jets fans want to have the conversation. They want to debate. They want to know what's happening during the preseason felt like last year's preseason was kind of locked. There wasn't a lot to talk about other than the fact that Christian Veselainen was getting all the opportunities and David Gustafson was getting none of them. That was the one thing that I remember from that camp that just didn't seem to change last year. Jensen Harkins, too, not getting much of a shake. Um, but uh, I think, that, you know, with a coach this year, I think there's a lot of fertile ground for you to talk about what the team looked like. And I think that there's going to be a lot more interesting looks through training camp to see how Rick Bonus is going to handle this roster. So I can't give you any specifics. I just think Ken and I are going to be a lot busier in September on K&R than we were in years past. Well, everyone's looking forward to it. I can tell you my favorite days are the Thursdays where we sort of hand the baton over to you. We finish up and get to see what you guys have coming Love up it. after us on the, on the YouTube channel. So we'll look forward to doing that again very, very soon. Sean, Great chat as always. I'm glad you've enjoyed the summer, but that guess what? It's back to work very, very soon. And uh, one way or the <laughs> other, you know we're going to have lots to talk about on our shows when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets and more. You betcha. Hey, I, it's always one of my favorite things to do is hop on the show with you, Hass. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, pal. We'll do it again soon. There it is, Sean Reynolds. Make sure you're following on Twitter, at SN Sean Reynolds. And of course... Most of you already are, but uh, give a sub over at the uh, KNR page, and the guys will be back, and we'll make sure to let you know when that is happening. All right, I'm going to get some details on Jets Fan Fest coming up in just a second. This is good, folks. We're at 185 thumbs up. We need 15 more, 15 more thumbs up by the end of the program, and we will unmask Alex, who's been such a big part of the show for the past week while Michael Remus has been away. So uh, hit that thumbs up button and uh, get ready for what will be uh, a very fun end of the program. But we do have another guest coming up, caught up with Noah Lieberman on his fantasy football book, Young Winnipegger. You're going to enjoy this. And we'll get to cool bet lines, some horse picks, and Alex, as long as you get those 15 more thumbs up by the end of the program. Um, Hey, our friends at Not Autocorp are ready for fall even if we might not be, and even if your car might not be, if you're in the market for new wheels, before you do anything, head on down and talk to our friends, the experts at Not Auto Corp. Check out the amazing vehicles they have on the lot, or if there's a particular make and model that you're looking for, Not Auto Corp will get it here to Winnipeg, source it out and get you into it for the best possible price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing deal with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them. Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Uh, all right, tomorrow's the big day, gang. Our first ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. Cannot wait to see many of you out there. If you haven't already got your tickets, 
Uh, I'm going to throw in the link right now into the YouTube chat. You can also see it in the description. There we go. And uh, again, those tickets just reserve your spot. We do have limited seating at Little Brown Jug for this event. And we had a great response right off the bat before we'd even put anything out on social media. So uh, the ticket gets you your first beer. Essentially, just buying a beer and reserving your spot. Tomorrow, 7 p.m., I've curated Winnipeg Jets questions, some Winnipeg-themed sports questions. We'll have some tougher ones. We'll have some multiple choice. We'll do some general sports. Uh, and bottom line, it'll be a great way to get together with so many that are with us regularly in the chat. And of course, many of you that listen to the podcast each and every day after it's posted. So tomorrow night, September 1st, 7 o'clock, Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, 336 William Avenue to be precise. It is on. I hope to see you there. Click that link if you want to make sure that you can reserve a seat for the event. Um, all right. Oh, hey, Nick and Nikki DQ, great sponsors of ours from day one. I know they're helping out with the uh, golf tournament over at Breezy Bend. Uh, I see Nick out at Breezy. Quite a golfer Nick is as well. Uh, but hey, 32 degrees today, 34 degrees tomorrow. If you weren't planning on it, now you are. A trip to one of the Nick and Nikki DQs. Grab one of those delicious summer blizzards. Maybe some in a snack burger as well. Snack burger as well. And if you do need a cake for an upcoming event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get one for you. Custom made. Whatever you need. And you can pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, okay. Tomorrow, don't forget, we're at Princess Auto. We've got some special guests, but we'll also have Jeff Hamilton join us and Brandon Rewicki. Um, lots in the Jets, but a lot with the hammer kicking off tomorrow's show on the Labor Day Classic. And, uh, you know, the next couple days will be tons of bomber talk now that the team's back at practice. If you missed earlier today in the show, a couple big pieces of news in the CFL. Vernon Adams traded from Montreal to the BC Lions for a 2023 first-round pick. And closer to home, Brady Oliveira on the practice field and Brandon Alexander back at practice as well. We'll hear from Mike O'Shea a little bit later on and have you on tomorrow as to how he projects to potentially make his season debut in the Labor Day Classic. All right. We are over 200. So confirmed. End of the show. Alex will come out from the basement and join me on the show. Uh, but before we do that, Really enjoyed this next conversation. After yesterday's show, caught up with Noah Lieberman, a recent U of M graduate who has written a very interesting book on fantasy football. Not like how you're going to win your league, but everything that goes around it. I know many of you play different fantasy sports. Check this out. We'll talk to Noah. We'll come back. We'll hit the cool bet lines and we'll have Alex join us before the end of the program. But uh, here's my conversation with Winnipeg author Noah Lieberman on his latest. All right. Fantasy football draft week is here. Um, got one tonight. Got one tomorrow. And I have the feeling that many of you are in the very same situation heading into next week's NFL kickoff. And uh, really looking forward to this next conversation because we have a recent U of M grad, Winnipeg native Noah Lieberman, who has just published a book, a very different book than you might be used to when it comes to fantasy football. It's called If You Think You Know Fantasy Football, Think Again. And the author, Noah Lieberman, joins us now. And Noah, what's going on? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. It's great to have a conversation, Hustler. Uh, I've watched your show yeah, in the past, and it's always it's always an entertaining and fun show. So I'm I'm glad to be on it and talking to you. Well, this is a great intersection. It's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I mean, certainly fantasy football and fantasy sports is something that Remus and myself, uh, probably part of the reason why we got to be such good friends and work together. <laughs> but there's all sorts of things that come into fantasy football. Now, when I hear a fantasy football book, I think someone's going to help me win my league, uh, sleepers, all that stuff. But um, sounds like this is a little bit of a different book. Why don't you fill us in on uh, what you've just put out about fantasy football and uh, the questions it asks and um, you know the topics that you cover. Yeah, absolutely. So this book, while I think that if you read it, it will help you like in the long term because it's going to provide you with more of a, a mental aspect of it rather than just like short-term strategies that never really work. It's really designed to answer some of the bigger questions that aren't really asked out there. Um, and so it's really the only book that you'll find that talks about you know, is it really healthy competition? You know, what are the social dilemmas? Uh, is it gambling? Is it not gambling? And how do we play so that we can do it cohesively without fracturing relationships in, in such a polarizing game? Um, but I think that even if, but, but I will mention, uh, even though it doesn't talk about sleepers and it doesn't talk about just the best running back for this year, you'll gain a long-term um, mindset about fantasy football that will help you understand the game better and give you an advantage, I think, over your league mates long-term if you do read it, even though it's going to help with all the other stuff too. You know, well, tell us, I, I'm really interested that you brought up the social dilemmas. I, I'll be honest, I've never really thought about that. I mean, sometimes you want to kill your buddy because he beat you or there was some scandalous trade or whatnot, but um, fill us in on that sort of angle and, uh, you know, well, what, what you cover in the book. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I think is really interesting is when people play in the workplace, which happens all the time, right? You have a bunch of like professional situations where people start up a fantasy football league because it's fun and it's something to do and it brings people closer together. And that's absolutely fantastic. I think that that's the best way that uh, offices can really do it. But when it gets to the point where people are, you know, making shady trades with their bosses and they're doing kind of things to win that maybe they don't want to do in the professional environment, it can really kind of question like the integrity of like who's really playing against each other to win and what are we really doing in the right kind of circumstances. Um, and even within friends, right? Like there can be so many uh, arguments, so many conflicts, that kind of thing that can easily be avoided if we just kind of play the right way. And so, I think that it's important to kind of get those stuff out, get that stuff out there and at least start the conversation. So does this all fall on the shoulders of a strong and scrupulous commissioner? Or are these things that you need to get out straight with everybody in the league before you even make your first pick? Oh, these are things you need to get with everyone in the league. Like my, my number one recommendation for maintaining a league with, just like a healthy environment is that I think you need a strong rule book and a strong league constitution that everyone has read, everyone has signed, everyone is in it. And then after that point, as long as everyone knows exactly what the rules are, you just let everyone go and you do let them do their own thing. And that's just like real sports, right? If something's in the NFL rule book or something is in the NHL rule book, uh, obviously you can't do it. 
But everything other than that, you know, it lets people get creative and it lets people win in their own ways. And if something is so egregious or something is so terrible that you need to add it in, you can just add it into your league constitution the next year. And then eventually, as that keeps kind of going forward after a couple of years, you have everything set out that you need to set out and the league can function in a lot, uh, in, a, in a much healthier way. Uh, Noah Lieberman's with us. The book is called If You Know Fantasy Football, Think Again. Um, you also mentioned the potential of fractured relationships. And we do know that some people take things like fantasy sports and fantasy football more seriously than others. What are the dangers of fantasy leagues and how can you maybe prevent having things completely fall off the rails because of a trade or a transaction that some owners may not feel is on the up and up? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, a lot of people kind of go out of their way to do kind of crazy things to win. And I'm I'm victim number one of that. I'll, I'll do that 100%. But um, I think a lot of it is just about communication as well. Um, healthy communication within a league can really set something off or can really uh, avoid setting something off. Because sometimes when you'll look at your phone and you'll see that somebody did something that, you know, wasn't necessarily kosher, uh, your first instinct, if it hurts you directly, is to be mad about it, right? And is to kind of freak out. But if you have healthy communication within the league and you can actually understand why people are doing things or why it kind of all the time in our team, even though it can kind of seem like that on the outside. So healthy, uh, healthy communication can really absolve some of those issues, I think. Now, uh, I can, I mean, I had to laugh when, you know, you brought this up when we were talking before, because being a, a longtime veteran of fantasy football, in particular, many sports leagues, I can think back to over the years, some incidents that legitimately did blow up between dudes that all of a sudden were very, very angry with themselves. And it does go to show that the most thankless job is the commissioner. Hell, we had Tommy Pham slapping Jock Peterson in the outfield before a Major League Baseball game, mm -hmm. and that came back to a fantasy football dispute. Um, what, give us a little bit of your thoughts on that, how that can be prevented or handled best in the event that it does inevitably happen in some leagues yeah so first off i saw that tommy fam incident and it was before my book came out but it was just like a couple weeks before and i saw that and i sent the article to my brother i sent it to my family i sent it to my friends that knew that the book was coming out look at this like this is this is literally the perfect example of why this book is coming out and why we need this and why would this conversation needs to be had at least. Um, so I I thought that was really funny. Uh, the fact that it was going to come out right after that article, I th or thought that it was really good. Um, the timing was excellent. I thought that might have been the impetus to write the book in the first place. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, no, just the, the timing worked out well. The timing worked out well. You know, I should I should send one to uh, to Tommy Pham. I think Mike Trout is the commissioner of that league, and I think that he did. I think that they were saying that he did a poor job. So maybe I'll send a copy over to Tommy Pham somehow and see if he uh, if he likes what he reads. I know uh, Stephen Che, who uh, is a uh, one of the guys that works at Barstool Sports, has now been assigned the commissionership of that league um, because, <laughs> for quite obvious reasons, Mike Trout did not want to have that job anymore, considering what happened coming out of last season. How um, 
I mean, you're relatively young. Obviously, you've been playing some fantasy sports for a while with your buddies. How did you come up with the concept of this book? I mean, no, where did this all start? Uh, yeah, so for me, it started, I think, in the same place that it starts for a lot of other people and that it's personal experience. And uh, in both of my leagues that I play in, uh, I definitely went through kind of these conflicts. And in one of them in particular, it was almost like the straw that broke the camel's back to an extent of how just like week after week after week after week, there would be another conflict about something else. And it eventually just kind of boiled over to a point of no, of no return. And uh, eventually we've, we've worked out those relationships and we've, we figured it out, but yeah, like my thought in it is like, how can this be such a polarizing game that's supposed to be fun in the first place? And yet it causes people to go berserk over something that they play with their friends or their family or their coworkers. Um, and I looked at basically the market. I looked on Amazon, I looked at bookstores. I tried to find any kind of book that talked about this stuff. And the only books that I was finding was, you know, top 10 tricks to win your league this year and things about kind of just like these shallow strategies that barely even work. And so I said, you know what? I think that this book needs to be out there. I think it'll help a lot of people. So I'll just write it and publish it myself. Uh, you know, just in, in those those incidences that gave you the, uh, the idea to have this book, um, how did they end up? Did people get the ejector seat from the league? Did you have to take care of a couple problem owners or uh, did everything get smoothed out and you're in a much better place amongst the, uh, the league members? Everything got smoothed out eventually. Um, I think one or two people kind of voluntarily left after, um, but I think for other reasons, but for the, for the most part, it's smoothed out. We're still, we're still going strong and we have our draft later this week. So all, all good. Well, <laughs> that is what's all about it. Um, fill people in. The book again is called "If You Think You Know Fantasy Football, Think Again." A very different book than you're used to hearing about fantasy football, in particular in fantasy sports. Um, where can people get it? Where will it be? And uh, we'll just let people know about um, you know the uh, w where it is out there in the uh, obviously in a, in, in a hard copy as well as um, a digital edition. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get the digital edition the hard copy and the audio book all uh, on Amazon. Um, just go to Amazon, type in fantasy football and you'll see it right here. I actually have the book beside me. So you'll see that's what it looks like. Perfect. Um, and then uh, you could also get it Indigo on Keniston as well as Chapters Polo Park. Uh, and I'm actually going to be doing a, a couple book signings in the near future. Uh, so if you want to meet me and you want to get your copy signed and buy it from me directly, then you can go to Indigo on Keniston, September 10th, uh, and Chapters Polo Park on October 1st. Uh, and both of those start at 11 o'clock. So I'll be there then and, and ready to go. All you commissioners out there, you need to be getting down there and getting your hand on this book just to, just to have some smooth sailing as we get into another season of fantasy football um no i'm fascinated just the process of writing the book how long did it take and um was this the first one you've done i mean what was the process of getting it printed and published and getting it on amazon i mean what was all that experience like oh man so the the experience i would say was even more difficult than the writing like what, what's crazy to me is and i didn't anticipate this originally was that writing the book was the easiest part of publishing the book <laughs> 
Um, and a lot of that just kind of started kind of in my room every night from 9 p.m. to 2 in the morning when I had a chance, just writing for a few hours every night uh, until it was eventually finished. Um, and then after that, I reached out to many literary agents kind of all over uh, all over the States and I couldn't get representation. Um, the whole process is kind of just like a needle in the haystack, uh, especially because um, there's not too many literary agents out there and there's a ton of people that are writing books. And so just like an athlete will have an agent or a musician will have an agent, um, it's kind of the same type of deal. And, and you need these agents to kind of get through to publishers most of the time. Uh, and so as a 21 year old kid with no real life experience still in college, uh, I definitely had some trouble. And so after getting rejected probably about a hundred times from literary agents and working on that for six months, I just said, screw it, I'll publish it myself and we'll figure out everything that needs to go down there. So um, at, at that stage, really, um, I did my own research about it and I figured out that you can publish directly through Amazon. Uh, and so that's what I, that's what I did. And um, now it's available on all, on all Amazon platforms. Um, as well as in a couple bookstores and and some more to come in the future. Well, no, this is uh, this is really neat and very timely as well. As we mentioned, I mean, I can only imagine there's already controversies in leagues before they even make the first pick. People are still dealing with something that happened a season or two season ago, seasons ago. So, fantasy football players, especially you commissioners, get your hands on the book if you think you know fantasy football. Think again. And may you all have a smooth, seamless, fun, and competitive fantasy football season. Noah, congratulations on the book. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, speak with you again in the future about uh, more interesting projects, especially if they have to do with fantasy. You let me know. <laughs> we'll get you back on WST. Appreciate you joining us. Hey, thank you very much, Hustler. It was an absolute pleasure to be on your show. I'm a big fan. You guys do a great job. So it was great to be on. Thanks, Noah. All right, great stuff with Noah Lieberman. Check out the book. And um, uh, as I said, uh, really cool to see uh, that uh, you know, we've got it out. A couple of visits uh, to uh, the bookstores here in town. And listen, I know many of you are big time into fantasy sports. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading this because I think it could probably help, especially as I mentioned, people that are involved in the commissioner role for said leagues. All right. Tomorrow, cannot wait to get down to Princess Auto. They've been such great supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Gold Eyes, and more. Um, but we're going to be doing a special show down there and uh, a little bit of a tease. Uh, the Queen of Curling popping on the program. Uh, a couple of their new squads are going to be jumping on. We'll also have Jeff Hamilton, uh, and we also have Brandon Rewicki. So it should be a great show, but I'm looking forward to getting out of this studio down there. So what uh, should be great. Make sure you tune in. And for you people getting ready for the Banjo Bowl, make sure you get there early and take in everything going on at the Princess Auto tailgate party before every Winnipeg Blue Bomber game. Cheap beers, five to box, 350 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning. It will be the place to be before the Banjo Bowl and every Winnipeg Blue Bomber game. You can actually head out there as well at halftime and take advantage of uh, some beer specials there if you want to get a bit better deal. I know you Winnipeggers love those as well. Of course, Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations in store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 
365 at And hey, while you're at that next Bomber game, if you're late to the party and haven't tried the brand new Canadian Club and Ginger Ale ready-to-drink pre-mixed cocktail, well, IG Field's a pretty damn good place to have your first. Of course, CC and Ginger Ale, the iconic cocktail now ready to go in six packs pre-made for you. You can pick it up at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Mart. And of course, the entire Canadian Club family and Beam Suntory family available at IG Fields, the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we got to get to some cool bet lines. By the way, I did take an L earlier today. I thought uh, Canadian Rebecca Marino might be upset by her second round opponent who knocked out the number two seed. But Marino, first Canadian on to the third round of the U.S. Open. Great win for her. First year she's ever been in the all four majors in a season. So we spent a lot of time talking about Bianca Andreescu and Layla for Andy Fernandez for obvious reasons, especially at this tournament, considering Bianca won it. Layla got to the finals last year. Nice to see another Canadian win. And Chapel had a big win yesterday as well. Uh, of course, you can bet on all of the U.S. Open matches at Cool Bet. And you can also get ready for the games on the weekend in the Canadian Football League. And let's take a quick look at the lines over at CoolBet and see if anything's changed over the last 24 hours. We can tell you the Ottawa Red Blacks have been bet down to four and a half point underdogs. They opened at five and a half against the Montreal Alouettes. That's the Friday game. And that's really the appetizer before we get into the weekend with the three big rivalry games on Labor Day weekend. Bombers. Three and a half point favorites against their arch rivals, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Mosaic Field on Sunday. And the Toronto Argonauts and Hamilton Tiger Cats will get going early, a noon game, Winnipeg time on Monday afternoon. Tie Cats, home team, one point favorites over the Argos, who had that big win last week at BMO Field as part of the home and home series. And the Edmonton Elks remain 12 and a half point underdogs against the Calgary Stam Peters in the late game on Friday, or on uh, Monday, I should say. Uh, and the quarterfinals are up for the World Women's Hockey Championship. Uh, Canada's going to be taking on Sweden. The U.S. will take on Hungary. We all expect a collision course in the finals. And Maybe a little bit of unfinished business as well for Team Canada after being up 2-0 early, but falling yesterday in the round-robin game against their uh, their rivals. And never mind rivals, one of the great rivalries in all of sports between Canada and the U.S. and women's hockey. Czech Republic and Finland, Japan and Switzerland, the other quarterfinals. And again, you can bet on that and everything else under the sun at CoolBet if you haven't used the promo code WST for your first deposit yet. What are you waiting for? NFL is here. It's a great time to take advantage of it. We'll double your first deposit up to 200 bucks by using the promo code WST when you make your first deposit over with our friends at CoolBet.com. All right. Uh, I got a text from Remo last night. Uh, of course, we've been maintaining, even though he's been away, he's been making his bets uh, as I have been on live racing at Assiniboia Downs. And uh, we both had a couple very rough weeks. I had a great start to the week with a couple nice wins on Monday. Remus bounced back last night picking a long shot horse named Savage Love. Uh, I guess he just couldn't help not bet on a horse named Savage Love. But it returned 77 bucks on his $5 bet last night. I only had won 10, so I was down 10 for the night. A big, big win for Remo. 
going to be a fun couple weeks on WST as we finish up the racing season. I've got a very slight lead on Remo, but maybe I can extend it tonight. Here are the picks for this evening's live racing car to the Cinnaboy Downs. Don't forget, they go off at 7.30 p.m. An absolutely gorgeous night to get out. Whether you're hitting the Gold Eyes game or the Cinnaboy Downs, make sure you get out somewhere tonight and take advantage of it. Uh, if you want to ride with me, race number two, we're going to go number three to win, Lady Nyla. Race number three, we're going to go with number six to win, Cabo Dorado. I'm going to pull out a couple triactors as well. Race number five, one, three, seven. Those are essentially the three favorited horses. Inspiratus, Maybella, both dominant horses, and outclassed you. Doing a couple long shots on a Quinella in race number six, high rise in the peg, and Uncle Moe's cat. And then the final race of the night, we are going with another $1 tractor box for six bucks. Barbie's Quest, My Trude, and Miami Souvenirs. If you are not able to get out to the track, you can uh, play like Remo and I do with daily bets at hpibet.com. And of course, you can watch all the action from Assiniboia Downs with some, with some great insight from our pals Kirk and Stretch over at the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel. All right, gang. Uh, I got to be able to see the chat here for this. Um, I appreciate your support. Everybody hit the thumbs up and the like button today. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button as well. We're here every day at 1 p.m. Uh, but regular viewers and listeners will know that the last week or so, Remus has been on holidays, a very deserved holidays, had not taken a single day off since we started this show back in March of 2021. Um, but in addition to Remus having a great time, we had to keep this show on the road. And uh, our friend Alex Allard has joined us last week, and I've been promising at some point we'd be bringing him on to the show and he's got a very familiar sweatshirt, which uh, many of you will will recognize from the playoffs a few years ago. He was actually here working on it. But without further ado, let's get Alex in here for his first on-camera visit with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Alex, first off, I mean, we've been talking the whole time, but uh, welcome officially to the program. Folks in the chat, we'd like to get a nice welcome for Alex. Uh, first of all, Tell us about the, the the hoodie. I did not send that to you. That is your own. Um, people will be interested as to where you picked that up and a little bit of your background and how you got hooked up with us. All right. Well, thanks for the intro. I've never had done this before. I've always been behind the scenes, never in front of it, in one of these boxes that I've created. But uh, <laughs> the chat's blown up. Hey, chat, how you doing? You guys are crazy, by the way. You guys are awesome. Like, in a good way. Yeah, crazy well, in a good way. You know, like. Anyway, uh, no doubt. Yeah, I got started with shirt. I used to work in broadcast, and um, I did a lot of the TSN broadcasts, uh, TSN Jet shows, and uh, I'd fly out there, work some games, fly home, spent a lot of the time at that ENC that you talk about at the Delta. And uh, um, one time, I was uh, I got out there and. Uh, I needed a sweater. It was cold in the truck. I ran up, and this was on the clearance rack because uh, it had been a couple years later, and I snagged this shirt. And every time I was out there, I always wore it. Shout out to the big replay operator out there, Pappy. He would love this shirt. Hope he's watching. Uh, you were here. Uh, you were here. Was it the twenty? The first time the Jets came into the playoffs, and uh, we were playing against the Anaheim Ducks. You were part of that crew, and uh, 
I, I imagine from someone outside of the city, it must have been pretty wild to see a team that didn't even win a game in that playoffs, but just the incredible excitement for the team and for Winnipeg to be able to throw the whites on again for the first time if 2.0. Yeah, it was cool. The, the, the most recent runs were even better, right? Where they went obviously deeper, better team. You know, yeah. uh, the parties outside, the pint was on fire. Uh, you know, so there's, I had some good memories here in Winnipeg. Uh, I did the Winnipeg Canada Games as well. So I spent a significant amount of time and a big chunk in, uh, in August, I believe that was. And uh, yeah, now I made the switch over to these online shows. I've started a family, much like uh, Matt the Rabbi. Him and I had a good chat. I uh, started a young family and uh, this this kind of work has awarded me the opportunity to stay home and, and see my kids. So uh, shout out to the wife, Sarah. She's upstairs making dinner while I'm down here having fun with you guys. Well, uh, listen, it has been a hell of a lot of fun to have you on the program and you've done an amazing job. And, uh, you know, I think people will be interested in, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on this show over the, the last one, well, the year and a half about the changing face of the media industry. And uh, for those that don't know, Michael uh, Reem hooked up with Alex through his work with uh, our pal Frank Saravalli in the Daily Faceoff show. And we were also doing Wally and Mathot. Um, fill us in a little bit on the transition from being the guy that was in these trucks doing all these television games, how it started, and uh, now how busy you are working on those regular shows and obviously helping us out in a time of need here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, and we, I spent a long time. I started in 2005, um, right into the broadcast trucks. Um, by 2010, Vancouver Olympics, I was working at the Olympics in hockey uh, as a replay operator. And, uh, and when you're in broadcast, you're only one small, you know, part of the whole system. And uh, so the biggest change, obviously, is is going from just worrying about a little bit to worrying about the whole thing, obviously, and, uh, and not having to travel. I mean, um, I used to have to, you know, take a gig and fly out to LA for two, three nights and then come back home and maybe go out to Calgary three days after the that kind of change, try time change on your body and everything flying is crazy. But, uh, all my work with the daily face off, uh, Frank got a hold of me one day and, uh, Frank Saravalli, I was working tennis in Toronto, the Rogers Cup. One of those long days of tennis. If you're on a tennis crew, the worst thing you can hear is deuce because the match just keeps going on. <laughs> I was on like the fifth match of the day. Uh, I can't remember anything. Everything in tennis starts to look the same when you do, you know, two weeks in a row of five matches a day. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Frank calls me. I answered it, and uh, he said he was interested in starting a show. He had seen some of the work I had done with Wally and Mathot. Um, and right there, we just talking for about an hour, I decided to kind of get out of replay life and into this new life of digital online shows and seeing, uh, building this studio I have around me. And, uh, and all that production work that I had done years, you know, I was a small cog. But I had really paid attention to everyone else around me, especially the last bunch of years. And uh, I got a ton of passes. I this is I did what Sean did here. You see, I, this wasn't like this when 
when we started. These are all the <laughs> same kind done. of passes from the Olympics, Grey Cups, Stanley Cup Finals, whatever. And uh, uh, all of that experience has come together for this, right? And for me to be able to try my hand at this and learn this. Uh, and I, I'm certainly happy I have. It's been a, it's been a good ride well, so far. You, you, you've been killing it. Um, it has been, uh, listen, I mean, obviously for like myself and Reem, it's a two man operation and we've sort of done everything ourselves. And, um, certainly the stuff that people don't see behind the scenes takes a lot of work and a lot of expertise. And I joked that once I said, Reem, okay, we're going to do this shortly after the station ended that he spent a three week crash course at the university of YouTube, trying to figure out exactly what the heck we were going to do. And, Somehow we managed to pull it off and it gets a little better and a little easier all the time. But um, certainly the the ability to have him take some time off and have someone with the expertise of you coming in was uh, was huge. I have to ask you before we finish the show, um, you've worked on a number of shows, you pay a lot of attention uh, and we can take it. What do you think? How, how have you enjoyed Winnipeg Sports Talk? What do you think of the show, the vibe here? And, and especially the chat because I will put up our chatters and our people against any show. The community here is super fun. And uh, I imagine you've noticed that and paid close attention to it throughout the last week. Oh yeah. And I, if you, uh, the, the, it's funny working in as a freelancer across all these different leagues, uh, every city has like a little vibe to it. Every city's crew, you know, it, they're all freelancers, so you might get a different camera guy here or there or whatever. But for the most part, you get the same crew depending which city you go to. You kind of know what camera guys you got to get to and stuff. And in Winnipeg, it's a tight-knit, you know, they, they used to. a lot of them used to be the camera guys for the Jets, uh, the, the original Jets and, the, you know, the news and stuff in between. And then this team came and they're, they're back, so they love doing the games. The energy there is great uh, inside the truck. You know, you're not supposed to be cheering inside the truck, but there is a little bit for the TSN Jets. And, uh, you know, you can understand why. Uh, uh, like I said, shout out to Pappy. And, uh, you know, it, the, the Jets, it, the Winnipeg, I, my family comes from Winnipeg way back when. So I've always had an attachment to Winnipeg and I always loved going back to Winnipeg. And this chat matches the city. It's it, it, exactly what I think of it. The crew, it's like you guys all work together and you're all joking with each other and and you all cheer for the same stuff. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think it, it, you guys got a really good thing going here. And if there's anyone else watching from Wally Mathod or if you check out Wally Mathod or, or any of the Daily Faceoff guys, uh, like check out this chat and challenge these other shows to step up your game to this chat's level <laughs> oh man i appreciate that and again uh, the support we've had from everyone i mean obviously there's tons of people probably more that listen regularly on the podcast but what happens live here on youtube every day is really special we have so much fun doing it and uh big shout out to all of you to do it i challenged you to get to the 200 likes it's been a little slower the last week or so you came up big and uh we made it happen. Well, uh, Alex will be with us tomorrow on the program, uh, but it will look a little different because I'm going to be live at Princess Auto. And don't forget tomorrow, uh, Little Brown Jug, 7 p.m., the sport, uh, sports trivia night. I'm just going to pop that in if you just got here late. 
There's the link if you want to make sure to reserve your spot for it. Would love to see many of you out there. And uh, we'll take what happens in the chat to real life. That one live show we did was amazing with everyone that came out. I think tomorrow's going to be even more fun. Um, Alex, thanks so much for everything. I'll look forward to talking to you. And I know everyone was very excited to get you here in front of the camera after doing everything great behind the scenes. And, uh, of course, Remo will be back on Friday for a big show heading into the Labor Day weekend. Um, big thanks to Rennie and the rabbi for jumping on today. It was a heck of a, a heck of a lineup. And of course, Alex and Noah Lieberman as well for uh, his visit on his new book on fantasy football. Check that out wherever. Or just look it up on Amazon. It's probably the best way to do it. I'm sure you're all familiar with that by now. And uh, other than that, huge thanks to the sponsors. We'll be at PA tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, hoping to see many of you tomorrow night for our sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug. For Alex Allard and a vacationing Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Appreciate you joining us today. There is Remo. Man, he's getting around. He's getting around. Where exactly is that today? I think he might be at the Great Wall of China. God, he's just, you know, there's... He's putting a, putting a lot of miles, putting a lot of, but you know what? When you roll like Remus with the private jet, you can take the family anywhere. And uh, he's still wearing Dubs' shirt, but he's taken the show on the road to China. Be a couple days to get back. He will be back on Friday. Gang, have a great one tonight. Fish game tonight, Assiniboy Downs, beautiful weather. Get out and enjoy it. And join us tomorrow live from Princess Auto headquarters with some very special guests on a Thursday edition of WST. Thanks, everyone, and have a great night. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.